tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. My goodness, you sit low in a chair. Whoa, I have these long dancing legs, Brent. First time back. Well, welcome back. Hello, studio. Make yourself at home. I know it's been a while. Road warrior. (laughs) What happened around here? What do you mean? There's a helmet that's like upside down. Well, that's been there because every time we have a guest and you complain that you can't see the guest across from you. There's... The so, football, did you so break it? No, they're clumsy. No, you break no, it. It's no, been up here no, for no, months no. and it hasn't fallen off. Excuse I leave me, for a week and it's gone. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. We had giant storms and some thunder must have knocked that football off because there Coos, you heard it. It was like a it was like a cannonball went off in this room. But yeah, basically the football got knocked down. I mean, in case you remember, it was just teetering on the ledge the whole time. So what, what did it you was expect? kind of teetering. Yeah. So what did you expect? Kind of really? like me, teetering on the ledge. I, I feel like we're all teetering on the <laughs> on the ledge sometimes on ESPN 690. This heat will get you going. Oh, it's 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 toasty. Hey, and by the way, your whiteboard, how you left it, is stays the same. Football is back. Have a good Thursday. Good good call. Yep. Very topical. That didn't work so well. It wasn't no. a good Thursday last week. I'll go ahead and change it up for the next one. Uh, all right. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a good weekend. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, back together in studio. Coos is here as well. Weather, wedding number seven out of the way in 2019. You guys have a lot of friends, huh? That's unbelievable. It's a unbelievable. Lot of I'm working on getting rid of them. There yeah, you go. It's a good idea. Try yeah. it. <laughs> Try it. Seriously, <laughs> it's a knows. great idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just went to a, a pretty cool thing. They're probably still doing it because conversations are going on forever. But uh, we're down at the uh, Gator Bowl, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, former Mayor Jake Godbold. And several others, uh, some folks from the media, too. Uh, a lot of the old school guys uh, from back in the day. There's this thing called Colt Fever, if you're new to Jacksonville or okay. don't know this. But 40 years ago, where uh, they, when the Baltimore Colts were threatening the move, mm-hmm. and Jacksonville became a, an almost destination before the Jacksonville Jaguars were the Jaguars. And uh, Ursay, the owner, landed a chopper right in the stadium, and 50,000 people were here. Dang. Well, long story short, there's a book coming out about Mayor Jake Godbold and how that all went down, and so we were listening to stories. It was really cool. If you could have got me a fireplace and a <laughs> beverage, I would have stayed there all afternoon. Sure. I mean, awesome stories about how it all came together. And some of the old folks in town, I don't mean old in terms of age, I'm just saying sure folks that have been around. They know the stories, but for a guy like me, I've been in Jacksonville 12 years. I've heard some of them secondhand, but it was pretty neat to see how it all came together and how it led to the Jacksonville Jaguars eventually. First, the Jacksonville Bulls from the USFL, Mm -hmm. and eventually it leads to now our 25th season in Jacksonville for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So really, really good stuff. Uh, I I, I had to get out of there because we had a meeting, and so I don't know uh, when the book 
or where the book is available, but I'll get some of that information to you. And uh, I'm sure it's something that we'll probably talk a little bit more about, maybe have some guests on during this 25th season celebration. But it all started back 40 years ago uh, with Mayor Jake Godbold, and it was really cool to get some of the backstory on that. So here we are, fast forward to the present, and holy cow, over the weekend, I wanted to go to Doug Marone's house or at Jag's headquarters and give him a hug. I mean... <laughs> Saturday morning, he held a news conference, and this is like less than 48 hours after their thumping yeah. that everybody got down in the dumps about, and we dealt with that on Friday, even though 30 players didn't play. Oh, hit that panic button, though, Brent. I mean, preseason game number one couldn't have gone any worse for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, except everybody did stay pretty healthy because they didn't play. Uh, but Doug Marone was wow on, on Saturday morning. It, yeah. it was like shaking the head and uh, just... Not good about injuries and poor me and bad luck and woe is us and holy cow, like right off the season. Forget about the preseason. Let's just go to September 8th right now. Everybody go home. We'll come back on September 7th. We'll have a meeting and we'll go play a football forfeit game. Forfeit all the preseason games. Just forfeit them. And Saturday the news came out. Cam Robinson and Marquis Lee probably won't be ready to go. In week I, one. That was surprising to me, especially Cam Robinson. Yeah, Marquis Lee, again, we've tried to warn people about Marquis Lee's injury. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. And for him to get back, I don't know when he comes back. I still think from being a productive player and someone you can rely on will be second half of the year at the earliest. I really believe that. And I've said that the entire offseason and even the last couple of weeks. But Cam Robinson, there is a little frustration, I think, with Cam Robinson coming off the ACL and not being back on the practice field. Well, this morning, cheer up, Doug. <laughs> Cereal must have tasted a little better. Someone got a little pep in their step. And Cam Robinson off the uh, pup list and back on the practice field for the first time in a year. And uh, he was out there. So it's really interesting because also in between those two days, did you see the video that floated around from the Jags locker room? Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. I want to talk about that well, a little bit. Listen, I, I think all these things get a little blown out, blown out of proportion. I think lacking context is a dangerous thing for videos on social media. True. And that one did lack context. But what people took away from that, and forget about the fake wrestling going on with the chair and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the guys just trying to have fun. If that had happened in a Gus Bradley locker room, I mean, th- there'd be riots in the streets. I mean, yeah. because, you know, just the way it was so loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think what people took notice of is Cam Robinson was standing on like a chair. <laughs> on the arm of a chair. On the back, right? Yeah, yeah. And so here's my, here's the thing. It's a conversation piece, at least with them. I haven't listened to anybody else. I haven't even seen a lot of Twitter today because I've been on the move. Mm-hmm. But I think with us, at least down there, it was a bit of a conversation piece yeah. about the Cam Robinson stuff. And how much of this, the last three days, was Doug Marone speaking through the media reacting and getting results from a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, what I just took you through. I mean, it was Saturday, oh, boy, was me. Mm -hmm. Eeyore was at the podium. Sunday, it was a video out of my offensive tackle that can't practice but can stand on an arm of a chair in a locker room and hoot and holler. Yeah. Bad optics. Yeah. And then on Monday, he's back off the pup list. How much of this whole thing was manufactured, do you think, not the video, by the way, but the whole well, thing from a, in front of a microphone was manufactured by Doug Marone in terms of trying to talk to his team through the media and specifically talk to a guy like Cam Robinson. So I want to touch on two things here. We'll save the video for a little bit because I actually want to touch on the video a little bit. Okay. I people are reacting about it. It's a little ridiculous, but we'll get in that a little bit later. Uh, with Cam Robinson, 
So, you know, when Doug announced that Cam was probably more than likely not going to be able to play the first game of the season, I was kind of taken aback because all things considered with this injury, and you look at how long that injury takes to recover from, usually the general's thesis is, you know, anything longer than a year um, and something else is up. Now, yes, you can have mishaps and things like that, like Jake Ryan had. For instance, yeah. Jake Ryan coming off of, I, th- I think he blew everything in his knee as well um, in Green Bay. You know, he he kind of had a mishap a he little bit. He had a bit. setback, yeah. yeah. He had a setback. Didn't get too much description of what the setback was, but one can assume he probably pushed a little too hard, and whatever the setback is, the setback is. But the point is, Doug Marone announced that, right? Everything from Cam's position that we've heard so far is the fact that zero setbacks, you know, that he's progressing, he's getting there, he's getting there, he's working, you know, with the strength staff on the sidelines, doing all these sled pushes and all these this core work and things like that. So I think the perception was, Cam will be definitely ready to go by the time the season started. Now, this video comes out, and I'm, I'm not saying they're correlated where Cam Robinson's on top of a chair dancing, basically, um, on the arm of a chair, and then the next day, uh, Coach Marone comes out and says, oh, yeah, he's back, he's good to go. Not saying those are correlated, but what I think actually happened is, and let's keep it keep in mind here, Doug Marone has great dialogue with that strength training staff okay whether it's the like, whether it's like the strength trainers or whether it's the, the, team, the, the, doctors. the team doctors yeah i think we'll call them the team doctors he has great rapport with both of those guys i guarantee every single day there's a meeting that goes up uh milo the, the head strength guy goes in and says all right this is what we see from so and so it's what we see from so and so uh maybe justin bland one of those guys from athletic training staff goes in and meet with doug marone he'll say he, so-and-so are this you know, far in, the, in their advancements, uh, maybe a couple more weeks. I think it was a case of Cam maybe milking it a little bit as far as he wants to take things easy, wants to come back and say, hey, it's hot outside right now, training camp can be kind of rough. And I think he was honestly just milking it for as long as he could, even though maybe the, uh, the athletic trainers were saying, oh, he's ready to go. Yeah. So this was a result of I think, Doug Marone just saying, trying to put him on the spot, basically, hey, if you don't want to Call come and play for us, yeah. If, if you don't come for, and play with us, guess what? We have other guys ready for that spot, and you can just sit on the sidelines and do what you want to do. But the train's leaving, and either you get on and get ready to work, or we're going to leave you behind. Well, and Cam had a little leverage potentially in that situation, at least that he thought, because one, he's coming off a significant injury. Let's not downplay that. And yeah. I do think we do sometimes. Like all of a sudden, Adrian Peterson changed the game, said I can come back and be productive ten yeah. months out, and I'm a running back. Offensive linemen, they say, come back a little earlier because they don't have to worry about the cutting and all that stuff. Well, he's still a big man, all right? Yeah. He's 315, 320 pounds, and he tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. So if you're not comfortable, you're not comfortable. I, I, I think we... We jump the gun a little bit if we say, why is he on the field 11 months later? It's 11 months. I mean, come on. I mean, we're not talking 15 months here. Mm-hmm. I'm talking 18 months. So I don't want to totally take that away from, from Cam Robinson. I still think there was some healing that could have gone on or confidence in that, right? Because confidence is a big thing coming off an ACL. Mm-hmm. Confidence in your knee to go back out there. But we can't also mistake what you just said, the fact that he had a little leverage in this situation. I mean, who's really taking his job? Cedric Abwehi? Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have – they didn't get Cedric Abwehi to start week one at left tackle. That's not their plan. Mm-hmm. Their plan was to hopefully have Cam Robinson back, Abwehi be the swing tackle if Jawan Taylor wins the right tackle job. Heck, who knows, Abwehi could win the right tackle job. I don't think that's going to happen, but he could in theory. So he had a little leverage in this situation to do what you kind of said, and I, I think it's a little – well, a little dangerous to say he's milking it out there. I mean – 
but he, he, he could have, maybe they thought he was, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he said, all right, it's time to step on the gas. And keep in mind, the last couple of weeks, the three weeks, this has been a light camp. There's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear it. It's been, I'm not calling it Club Med, okay? I, I would take offense to, it's still hard. Oh, if I was I a mean, player, yeah. I'm not calling it Club I'd Med. I'll those interviews fo- real quick, Yeah, bro. football's hard. It's hot. Mm-hmm. It was 117 degree heat index yesterday, and they're practicing out there. They're cranky coming off the field every time we talk to them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hot. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's relatively easier compared to the last two, two years sure. under Doug Marone. And I think even Doug over the weekend was probably tired of hearing about that mm-hmm. and saying, you know what? It ain't easy, or it's too too easy too easy for me even my liking. But we have to do this because of the injuries. We're about to send a message here, um, and so I do think it was calculated on Doug's part. Now, I thought it was dangerous message. It might have been a good message for Cam Robinson. Mm. That was a dangerous tone for your football team. A day after you got waxed, or two days after you got waxed by Baltimore, even though you didn't play anybody. Because all of a sudden, from the perception outside, it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, everything's already terrible. over. Yeah. What's going on? I mean, heck, we're four weeks away from the season. Chill out, people. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. You know, but it kind of felt like inside. I was over there on the weekend, and the feeling coming out of that news conference and, and at that practice was like, oh, boy. Sure. I mean, come on. We're yeah. still three, four weeks away. And what I do want to get into, are we overplaying the injuries a little bit? Because when you think about it, how many significant injuries do the Jaguars really have? Let's talk about it next on the other side. And get your thoughts on that video and what Austin has to say about that video. <laughs> did you have a problem with it? Star Star oh, 690 sure is always the did. number. 904-362-9901. More Jags talk on the way. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for hanging with us on a Monday. Oh, uh, listen, I mean, he, he's on the field. I don't know, you know where he's at as far as you know being able to play or anything like that. We're going to... You know, obviously, I'm going to keep Cedric over there. We got Josh over there. You know, I was thinking about Will because Will Will Will's played a bunch of right. You know, but you know now Jawan Taylor. You know, obviously he's out, so we'll probably I'll probably keep Will over there at right. You know, I mean he's really done a hell of a job from where he was last year to this year. You know, Wester played well in the game. You know, we've we've got some 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 things, and we just we'll just prepare ourselves. You know, for um, you know for the worst. I hate to say it like that, but I think you have to. That's Doug Marone talking about uh, the offensive line and the uh, activation of Cam Robinson, the left tackle, off the pup list. Now, it doesn't guarantee anything for the opener, but it is good to see. It's the next step to get back on the field. And again, we got some time, people. I mean, there are some. there's some time between now and September 8th to get this right for the Jaguars and hopefully not suffer any more injuries. But the woe is me from over the weekend, I think, was like... My goodness, settle down a little bit. Let's uh, let's let's pump the brakes. Let's stop the car. Hold the phone. Do it all. Uh, but even today, I think from the sound of Doug Marone, a little more upbeat than it was on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, Saturday, you got to go back and watch Saturday if you didn't see it. And hopefully, we'll play a little bit of it throughout later on. But it just the uh, it was like a one eighty um, for Doug Marone and. I want to ask you a little bit more about what was the message, the message to the team. I mean, how much does the team, you, you've been through this, how much does the team look at like a news conference from a coach? How much do they hear about that? Like how much yeah. would a player do that? And 
is it more prevalent even now because social media and guys are active and and maybe following reporters and and they might see a buzz headline um they get wind of it does their agent tell them about it all, all those things and then i also want to talk about just how desperate are the jags right now from an injury standpoint because i think it's being a little bit overplayed the jags are erring on the side of caution in a major way with a lot of players a lot of them uh, and to me, they only have two really, really bad injuries at the moment that, that makes you wonder about their availability in this season opener. But first, the message. Uh, as a player, yeah. do, do you get those messages? Does, did Cam Robinson hear Coach Marone? And is that why he was activated? I mean, how did this go down? You know, so, God, it, it seems like so long ago, Brent. You know, like when I, 2010, 2013, here in Jacksonville, uh, Twitter was, Kind of in its infancy, I guess you would say, not as popular. Nowadays, I think with with the, with the NFL player, the typical NFL player, I mean, everything is so accessible. Whether you know it's it's the Jaguars posting like their own videos, whether it's you know like the, the media, the sports media people like you and me, um, better posting videos and things like that. So as far as Cam Robinson here and Doug Marone, I mean. I would bet that he probably did hear something about that. Now, did that message resonate with Doug Marone from him watching a video on Twitter or on, on Facebook of Doug Marone talking about him being out? Probably not. I, I think this might have happened behind closed doors. Marone probably sat down with Robinson and was just like, hey, you know, I mean, here's where we're at right now. Are you good to go or do we need to worry about, you know, getting somebody else to take your position? And I think Cam, you know, kind of had that come to – come to jesus moment just like you know what no i'm, I'm good to go uh i'll do what needs to be done and i'll be your starting left tackle by the time the season starts simple as that uh i wouldn't put too much stock into into players checking out twitter videos and seeing their coaches talking about them and responding from there well i will say this though uh, a lot of times what's said on in that press conference news conference uh, on any given day is somewhat the theme or narrative of the coach's message to the team in a team meeting room. And I'm not saying it's detail by detail. Yeah. There's obviously things withheld. Yeah. There are things might be stronger, more F-bombs, more, more, uh, the tone might be different. Yeah. But I do think the themes are similar often. And so I do wonder if on Saturday morning when it was this melancholy maroon at the, at the mic, if that was kind of the, message and tone on saturday to the team mm -hmm. and therefore whether it was directed at cam robinson or not it was more probably directed at everybody like can you guys get healthy please so we can practice yeah. i mean even nick Foles did acknowledge today said hey there are a lot of guys in and out yeah i'm not i don't know if it's relative to other ones but there are a lot of guys they're trying to get back but they're out and when you don't have guys in, it's hard to get on the same page, build chemistry, all the things that are kind of cliche, but but also true. They're cliche for a reason, I think, in sports. So uh, my well, guess is somehow that filtered through, whether it is through social media or not, it filters back to the team, maybe with the team, with the coach's tone, um, even if it's somewhat different to the media versus in the team room. And here's the aspect you have to look at it, where if you're on the sidelines, you know, if you're trying to get back in, the last thing you want to do, at least when I played, we had a guy by the name of Mike Ryan, and Mike Ryan was the head trainer uh, of the, the, you know, the Jaguars staff, or whatever. He was the head uh, athletic trainer. And if you need to know about Mike Ryan, uh, just Google him. But he's a badass to say the least. He's done Ironman triathlons. I think he's done an ultra marathon. I mean, the, the guy is just, you know, he's the epitome uh, of, 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 of like a road warrior. So that would come out 
when we had to get ready for a game, like say I was out with a hamstring, well, I'm on the bike for 20 minutes straight, you know, with the highest incline, just pedaling. Or I'm doing a core workout for an hour straight where I'm just holding the plank as long as I can. Like, you didn't want to be not practicing because guess what? It was almost harder to not practice and go through Mike Ryan stuff than it was to actually just go through practice, have a little break here, have a little break there, have a little break there. Like Mike Ryan made it to the fact where you didn't want to be on the sidelines. Okay. Now I'm not sure. That's good perspective. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure how it is now. You know, I mean, I I see Milo working guys and it looks like they're, they're putting in some pretty good effort. So I imagine it's kind of the same thing, but the last thing you want to do, and I understand from Cam Robinson's perspective where like we talked about Brent, he's, he's already has a spot. All right. If he wasn't going to practice at all during the training camp, he's safe. Uh, understandably, he's safe. But sometimes you have to let a fire underneath somebody. You know, you you, you can't get com- you can't get comfortable being too comfortable. Is, yeah. is what a coach used to always tell me. You have to be un- uncomfortable all the time. And sometimes, whether it's uh, Doug Marone going to the media and maybe making a point, or behind closed doors making a point, you have to let a fire under some player and you have to make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Once you start doing that, then you can have some success. And I don't think this is related. I won't say it's related, but maybe in a roundabout way it is. Uh, you know. That Saturday morning, he had said a lot of people were going to miss practice, including A.J. Boye. Mm-hmm. Well, Boye was on the practice field an hour later yeah. and practicing and looking good. Now, was that Boye? Did Was there a miscommunication? Was it whatever it was? Boye was back out there, and he hadn't been really the entire camp. He's been nursing that hamstring, and even prior to that, I think it was a toe or a foot. So it was just interesting. Thomas Rawls came back to the practice field this weekend as well. Uh and that gets me into, are we overplaying the injuries? What we're talking yeah. about here are nicks and bruises, hamstrings, soft tissue things, where nobody's been ruled out for the season. Marquise Lee, again, we know that's going to be take a while. Mm-hmm. There's knee got obliterated, folks. I mean, it, so that's its own situation. Cam Robinson, okay, were they getting a little bit impatient with him not being on the field? Maybe so. But if he's not ready by week one, at least there's a feeling for me that he's going to be ready by like week two or week three. I don't think he's out for the year. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's worried about that. And then I'm not even Josh Oliver's the other one because Oliver, that hamstring was called significant. Significant. And on top of that, uh, who else am I missing? Oh, Quincy Williams. Yes. Okay. So Quincy Williams, but even Doug Marone said a couple weeks ago that Quincy Williams is expected. He expects him to be able to be ready by week one. Yeah. So, so what is well I mean is this catastrophic in Jacksonville as much as it's being no. portrayed right now? No, it's not catastrophic, but I kind of get an eerie vibe and here's why I'm about to say that. So Doug Marone came out and said that Cam Robinson probably wouldn't be good to go for the first game of the season. Same thing with Marquise Lee. We didn't see Cam Robinson coming. He also said that AJ Boye probably wouldn't practice today. Okay, sounds good. All of a sudden the next day you see Cam Robinson out there, and granted, he didn't do everything, Brent. Like, either working him back in. Yeah, yeah. But I saw A.J. Boyd today running around make plays. Oh, yeah, he was sprinting so, on Saturday, man. Yeah, so from that perspective, and like I said, the athlete, the athletic training staff meets with the coaching staff every single day, and it's thorough. It's not just, all right, so-and-so's here, so-and-so's here, we'll see you later. No, they sit down at a table, they go over every single player, their progress, where they're at right now, if they had any setbacks, it's a very thorough discussion every single day for training camp, okay? So if that's being said, I got to think they're on the same page here. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have a thorough discussion every single day about your players, about how their health is, well, then how do you come out and say Cam Robinson um, is going to be out possibly the first game of the season and A.J. Boye is going to be out for practice? And all of a sudden they come back out and play. So that's telling me that it's on the player more than it's on the, you know, the athletic training staff or on the coaches. Because if they have the conversation every single day, something's not connecting here. Yeah. And if I'm not going to connect something – in my opinion, it's from the players. Well, because eventually the player has to tell you how they feel. Exactly. And you can't pull that out of them. You can't yeah. push it out. You can't put him on the field if he's not saying. Yes, right? exactly. You have to trust the player yeah. on that thing. So that's a really good perspective there. All right, when we come back, let's take a timeout. Should they play the guys on on Thursday? Mm. I'm starting to get the feeling I don't think they are, man. Really? Uh, I, I get the feeling this is Philly and Foles week here in Jacksonville. Storytelling. And I'm not sure Foles is going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not convinced of it. Let's just say that. Sure. No, no info. Nobody's telling me. I just have a feeling with all this stuff around injuries, mm-hmm. like what's the benefit? Is there enough benefit to knock out what could go wrong? And especially if the team kind of feels this way right now about injuries. This is a team that doesn't like to talk about injuries, and all <laughs> the coach has done the last couple of days is talk about injuries. Yeah. So... How much will people play? The video we have to get to about Cam Robinson, I want your thought on that. If yeah. people haven't seen it, it was C.J. Revis who had put out a video, and they were kind of clowning around. We'll describe it a little bit more. But it was really the Cam Robinson part of the interview, uh, the video well, that people I think it was that. It was to. the fact that they're supposedly punching the Jaguars logo a little bit or kicking the Jaguars logo. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go and break that down in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good. It's up to interpretation. Let's it put is. it at that. Yes. Uh, more to come on ESPN 690, including playing time Thursday and punching a chair. <laughs> Everyone's super excited to see him in passing. He's a, he's a big man. He's a, he's a powerful man. And just to have him healthy, have him on the field, I know he was excited. I know he's been working his butt off, um, you know, rehabbing to get back out here. So just to, to get him healthy, get him acclimated, uh, it'll be exciting to have him in the huddle. Well, that's Nick Foles talking about Cam Robinson as they try to get on the same page, uh, protecting the blind side of uh, number seven. By the way, we'll talk a little more Nick Foles in a bit. And uh, scheduled to have Marcus Hayes from the Inquirer and uh, Philly.com. Okay. I think that's everybody. The Inquirer, Daily News, Philly.com. Yeah, that's all of them. Cool. But he's in town. You know what's interesting about the Foles stuff? This is, I don't know if we fully grasp, and maybe this is I'm guilty of it, mm-hmm. how big Foles is in Philadelphia. And, you know, you say, well, Carson Wentz is big. They got a franchise quarterback. Yeah, you know, that was a great story. Nice story. Everybody remembers it. There's a book written about him. He's always going to never he never have to buy a drink again in Philadelphia. End of story unfolds. It's bigger than that. I think it's a lot bigger than that. Hmm. You know, we were in Baltimore. We see Philadelphia fans, Foles jerseys. They're there. They made the trip to go see Foles in a Jags uniform. Sure. We've seen it at practice, Philly fans in the area. And I'm not saying they drove down or anything like that. But no. anybody that's kind of within reach comes over to see Foles. And... I think it's just fascinating to the point where this is a preseason game. The Philadelphia Inquirer, the uh, I think there's another station coming down tomorrow ahead of the game a few days early. Usually you come down a day in advance, yeah. but people are coming Story down lines, man. to get for a preseason game to get yeah. false. And so I want to do that a little bit later and talk about just do we understand how big Nick Foles is in Philadelphia and I don't know what that exactly means to Jacksonville, but I thought about it over the weekend a lot, even with forget about the Philly part, is that you really get the sense being around Foles. 
and and as we're getting to be around him a little bit more, just how confident the guy is in his abilities, how mature he is as a quarterback. Now, I don't have a reference point from when he was 24 years old, 25 years old, but what he did and what he has done and what he's already kind of laid a foundation of here in Jacksonville, how he's looked at the practice field for the most part, how mm-hmm. you know comfortable he is, that I really don't have a lot of question marks in terms of, man, I wonder if this guy's going to be good or bad, boom or bust. I actually think he's going to be pretty good for them. Now, will they stay healthy with Leonard Fournette? Will they stay healthy in front of him? Will the receivers emerge? How good will he be? Can he become a top eight quarterback in the NFL? Will he be muddle around 14, 15, mm-hmm. whatever it might be? Now, those are questions. We can debate that. I'm not saying, hey, get ready, Hall of Fame. But what we don't talk about enough, I think, with Foles is just how in command of his career at this point he is. And I think there's something matter of fact about it. And almost something you can bank on. Like, I don't think we're going to see a miserable Nick Foles out there. I don't, if the Jags go south, I don't think we're going to be, say, now listen, maybe he played poorly in a game, but I don't think it's going to be like, man, this guy, what a bust. I just don't sense that with Mm -hmm. Foles. And I think that's a good feeling to have, but I don't know if we talk about it enough. I think this guy in, in his position, his career, and then the other side of it is, what if he's about to take off? I mean, what if he is about to take off for the next three or four or five years? Do the Jags have enough around him to support that? I don't know. But he could be about ready to have four great years in the NFL and maybe even beyond that. So um, I was just thinking about it a lot over the weekend. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit with Marcus Hayes because he has perspective. He's been around him in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We did a little bit with Sal Palantonio, and you remember, Sal's he opened our eyes some stuff yeah. you know, with the Philly locker room and the Philly fans. Sure. So I want to get to that because it is Philly week for Foles. Now, whether he plays or not, mm. I don't know. Would you play him? So, listen, I understand that Marone's – I don't want to say he's rolling the dice here, right, because he's kind of mi- – He's kind of having the safe way out where if he doesn't play Foles at all during the regular or during the preseason and says it for the regular season, well, then congratulations. Foles isn't hurt. He's 100% ready to go against Kansas City, and you're putting your chips into that. And I understand that. But I also understand there's a thing called confidence, and there's a thing called timing, and there's a thing called being on the same page. And when you're playing that quarterback position, and listen, Brent, I'm not a quarterback. I was a quarterback once in uh, Pop Warner in seventh grade. I couldn't remember plays, and I was a tailback then. Okay, so from that perspective, 0 for 1. Excuse me? That was your percentage. You went oh, 0 for yeah, 1, they yeah. benched you. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. 0 for 1. Tried to run over everybody. Exactly. So, but I would, I would assume, and what you're seeing with teams like Kansas City, who have a bona fide quarterback still playing in some preseason games, and I get it, he's young, but still, I mean, the, for the reigning MVP – Still playing some preseason games. There were a lot of people that didn't play, but there also were some surprising some ones that did, that did play. play. Especially week one. You know, I can see about, week yeah. two, week three. If Foles doesn't play this week, I will be surprised. Because just – and listen, I, I understand it's all about keeping guys healthy. But are you that – are you that, I guess, just in worry of your offensive line not keeping them upright for just one one series, one drive of the game. I'm not saying, hey, Foles, go out there and go out there for the half and see what you got. No. Just put Foles out there for literally one drive, see what he's got, see how, how the communication is, see how the chemistry is. Because, listen, and I'm looking at this wide receiver group, Brent, 
I'm not sure who, who who the guys are yet, and I'm sure the Jaguars have some kind of idea. But is Conley going to be the guy? I don't know. In uh, practice, yeah. I can tell you it's Foles to Conley. Oh, yeah, exactly. A lot. Yeah, yeah, but it's He's going to catch 60 touchdowns yeah. at this rate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is, Terrell, is Terrell Pryor going to be one of the guys? Like, see, to me, yeah, you can kind of tell in practice, but the beauty of the preseason games is that's when it's your time to shine. That's when the lights are the brightest, and that's when the eye in the sky does not lie. So from that perspective, I would like to see him work with the starting wide receivers just for one drive. Just to see where they're at right now. I know, listen, I get it, but I'm yeah. going to ask you this. Yeah. I in the sky doesn't lie. The lights are the brightest, and even Foles acknowledged that today. The guy's played in a freaking Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl MVP. So mm-hmm. it's not for him. Maybe it is for the other guys, but it's not for him. He yeah. doesn't need to play on Thursday night to say, I'm ready to go. I don't think. Now, I, I've, I've said this before. I think some players are like, hey, I'd like to get a couple reps in. I don't need to play all four games. I don't need to play three games. I can play two games, but I'd like to get a couple reps in. My conditioning, even coming out of that game on Thursday, Taven Bryan played a lot of plays. He yeah. talked about on the sideline, the mic'd up piece Jaguars.com did. Mm. He talked about his conditioning and not game ready. So there's an element of that. I'm not sure for a quarterback, but for a lot of the guys. Um, but I'm going to say this, and you got to ask yourself this question. All the things you just said, I don't necessarily disagree with, but is that to the benefit of me, the fan, or is it to the benefit of the football team? And play. Mm-hmm. Like, if he plays a series, man, I mean, listen, if he goes and plays two series, how does it change what happens between September 8th and December 30th? Don't you have to ask yourself that question? Like, whatever he you know what does change? If he gets stepped on, if he gets hit, like Gardner Minshew got hit because somebody missed an assignment, you know? Well, I mean, that was I, against the starting Ravens defense, though. I, I but, get it, yeah. I get it. I'm just saying, but what's there to be gained in two series? Confidence, communication, and being on the same page. And I, and I just think, listen, I want to see the guy out there, too. But I think they're seriously asking themselves, are we doing this because Brent and his family in Section 203 want to see him play or because we think it's going to make us a better football team on September 8th? And I think that's what they're wrestling with right now. And is it a case of paranoia? Probably. But they are so scarred from last year. You can tell. I mean, you can obviously tell last year's injuries scarred them. Mm -hmm. And and. Listen, every coach has dealt with injuries over the course of their career and in preseason, too. But they also, they proved the other night they're pretty razor thin. They yeah. need a certain amount of guys. They need certain guys. Like, they need Foles. They need Fournette. They need, name an offensive lineman. They need D.D. Westbrook. They need Jalen Ramsey. They are guys that they need that they can't lose. And obviously, Foles is one of them. So it does beg the question, even though it would ignore all the entertainment value and storylines of the week. Is he going to play? And the feeling, at least, um, if I if you ask me that right now, say, is he playing or not Thursday night, I'd say, no, he's not. Okay. And yeah, I have and no intel for that. No, it's for just sure. the feeling I have that, no, I don't think he is. And, and I wouldn't be surprised either, Brent, because I think at the end of the day, Marone's going to make the move where, you know, let's be honest here. People's jobs are in jeopardy this season. Uh, The Jaguars have to win for people to keep their jobs in that front office. And I think it's Marone's plan uh, is that, you know, when when he goes to the table during the regular season, he's going with with the best cards that he can have. Um, He's not going to throw cards away due to injury. And I, I understand that. But at the same time, you have a brand new quarterback. You have a couple new brand new wide receivers to the team who haven't played a lot together. So you mean to tell me the first time they're actually going to see meaningful snaps in that stadium in Jacksonville is against is week one against the Kansas City Chiefs, who, all things considered, have a pretty solid defense, who have an explosive offense? Okay. 
Yeah. Good luck with that. Listen, I would, I'd be sitting here for, I'm going to sit here for the next three weeks and question, are they ready? I'm going to sit here and question, is it the right move? But if I'm in that building, in that chair, Doug Marone's chair, I'm also questioning, is it worth it? Yeah. And I think it's a fair debate to have. And I think those are, if you could be a fly on the wall, I think they're having them. I'm not sure they've made up their mind yet, but I think they're certainly having them, uh, whether to play Thursday night or not. Okay, your thoughts on that video. We will get to it. Also, a little college talk, including Miami, just about, what, uh, 12 days away, 11 days away from their opener. Names a starting quarterback, and it's not who you think. It's all next on ESPN 690. I think we have people that can do it, but it's hard for me to say, hey, listen, I feel great about it because we haven't haven't been out there that much. You know, we've had so many injuries at that position. Swain, Koyak. You know, James, you know, I was really excited about Josh Oliver, you know, knowing that he can make plays and everything. But, uh, you know, it's just a matter of getting these guys healthy and getting them back out there. You know, you start building up that excitement again. When I'm talking, I'm talking about that's how I feel. That's how I look at things personally. The coaches may have a different opinion. Wow, talking about the tight end spot especially. I mean, that is a banged up spot. And they have so much unknown at tight end, even if they were all healthy. So Jaguars uh, and Coach Doug Marone have a point. Again, I'm not saying the Jaguars are not injured. I just feel like we are <laughs> – sorry, Jackspot's playing stuff out of my computer now. Um, I just feel like it feels around here like it's catastrophic, and we're talking about potentially everybody at this stage being ready for week one, potentially. Yeah. Now, there's doubt, doubt around Quincy Williams, Josh Oliver – there's some doubt about Cam Robinson and Marquise Lee. Significant enough, but if they don't play week one, they're playing in the first month of the year. And by the way, guys are going to miss games in the course of the season. So knock on wood, and I hope the Jags don't get a catastrophic injury along the way to add to all this. But it's really just a numerous amount of nicks and bruises and little things right now that have a frustrated feel around the Jaguars from an injury front. Okay, because of that, Cam Robinson seen in a video over the weekend standing on the arm of a chair while... His teammates are kind of wrestling with a chair. Right? Is well, that what you took away from it's it? Just, I mean, it's it's chaos. Like, there's guys dancing. They're having they're, fun, they're first kicking. of all. Yeah, I mean, it's probably 10 or 11 guys in a locker room doing locker room type stuff. Over for about it. 12 seconds. Over about 12 seconds. And, and then <laughs> honestly, like, I was shocked because, you know, when that video came out, I was like, oh, that's, you know, whatever. It's a little behind the scenes locker room stuff. And I was shocked about the blowback that it got where people were like, you know, these guys are immature. Where's the leadership? That the coaches have lost the players, yada, yada, yada. Brent, I want to do a little role playing real quick here. I, I want you to be the coach, and I want you to come tell me um, this is back in 2010. This is Jack Del Rio, or maybe we'll go 2011, 12 with Mike Malarkey. I want you to tell us that when you walk in the locker room, Brent, we're sitting in there, and tell us that practice is going to be canceled due to the rain. Seriously. just Hey, on. guys. Uh, weather's crappy out here today. Mm. Thunderstorms in the area. Yeah. No practice today. Oh, dang it. Drats. Oh, wanted to practice drats. outside. Yeah, we were, nice. all, we were all saying drats back then. I was really in. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to practice so bad. Oh, 95-degree temperatures. Can't practice in them. Darn. And now I'll say you walk out of the room quick. Okay, and just the players. Hey, DJ, can give me that track real quick. Oh, yeah, baby. No practice. We're flipping tables. We flip the ping pong table. We're giving high fives. We're dancing, Brent. You would have thought we just won the Super Bowl. Okay? Thank you, DJ. 
That's my point, man. It's locker room stuff. Like, guess what? We were all there. Like, back when we didn't have the practice facility, we could go in, like, that giant bubble. We had to go across the street and practice where the Jacksonville Sharks practice, like, inside. And that meant when we practiced over there, we weren't doing jack squat because we were going to get hurt on that field. So when I I remember one practice, by the way, in the club area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But whenever those got announced, Brent, like, you would have been surprised how much grown-ass men you'd see dancing around like a bunch of kids knowing <laughs> we didn't have practice today. And, and that's exactly my point, where, you know, now, C.J. Revis record that and share it to everybody? Maybe not. You know, I mean, I, I understand now everything's pretty, you know, I mean, transparent as far as what happens in a locker room and everything. There's always the Twitter videos, the Instagram videos. So maybe he should have pumped the brakes a little bit on sharing the video. But welcome to an NFL locker room. Guys are going to dance around. Guys are going to act crazy because that's the way it is. That's called training camp. So from the perspective of people saying, oh, this team has lost their leadership. They've lost their way. Look at them. They're, they're kicking chairs. They're flipping chairs over. Can we just relax a little bit and stop nitpicking every little thing to make yourself feel better? Yeah, we're I a little bored. It. No yeah. doubt. We're a little bored. And, and uh, but okay, so one quick thing. we got to get to the Miami quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've been on Jags for a while. We're going to get back to more of it in a bit. But the Cam Robinson, so punching the chair, they were fake wrestling in the I, thing, yeah, right? And, 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 I didn't they're, see they're, them they're going the after the logo. Oh, and someone was saying they're kicking the logo. Come on. I listen. That's to me. That's extreme. Yeah. I think these guys have worn the Jags jersey and with a lot of pride and and what they've done to turn it around two years ago. Yeah. The disappointment from last year. They've had to own some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's. To me, that's pushing. Maybe I'm defending him wrongfully, so that's pushing it. Now, the Cam Robinson thing people took offense to because, again, he was on the pup list when this video was released. He's coming back from an ACL, and he's standing on the arm of a chair, a 320-pound man standing on the arm of a chair. Yeah. Right or wrong to be mad at that if I'm the coach or if I'm the fans? Um, It's not a good look on Cam Robinson's part, but the thing is he came back the next day and practiced, you know. So what are you going to do? I yeah. mean, And he didn't fall off. And he didn't fall off the chair, yeah. So he showed great balance. That knee's looking really good right now and uh, should have a really successful season due to that video. All right. Uh, but, but once again, though, hey, C.J. Revis, you're a rookie, dude. All right, let's, uh, let's take back uh, some of the videos in the locker room and stuff because – yeah, so CJ team, feeling good about himself. Played oh, well he's Thursday feeling night. really good about himself. <laughs> Got a little pep in his step. I don't know how South Beach Gary's feeling right now, but let's welcome in. I think he wants to talk a little bit about the Canes quarterback situation. What's up, man? Yeah, let's make the, the song of the day, Wind of Change by Scorpions. All right. I've always liked that song. Uh, yeah, you were asking, Austin, who, who's the Canes quarterback? What's the answer? Well, now you got the answer today. Number one. Number two, guys, if it's true, Dak Prescott says no to thirty million dollars. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean that that is boy. You really got to have nerves of steel to do that. I mean he should be running to the bank if he's offered thirty million a year. And number three, guys, the DUI videos that are Cardinals. You know players are so quick to be cut nowadays over things. Not saying what the Arizona should do. But should the guy be fired for being arrested for a DUI? 
and I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Let's get to the other two in just a minute. I'll write them down, and we'll get to those, Gary. But I want to get on the college football stuff. Jaron Williams named the uh, yeah. Miami starting quarterback. And what's a surprise here is uh, Nikosi Perry, I think the fact that he got a chance last year, didn't own that chance, really didn't show a ton of upside. I don't think it's a surprise he's not the starting quarterback and yeah. didn't win that battle. It was a three-way. Remember, these guys were doing Oklahoma drills. I was going to okay? say, obviously, the Oklahoma drills had a big output of what happened here. That's how much you were shuffling around the Miami <laughs> quarterback situation because yeah. you had them. Uh, usually, you have, don't touch me. Yeah. And we're doing Oklahoma drills with the Miami quarterbacks. Yeah. I understand trying to create a culture, but that also showed well, me that we don't Nick have Bolden a guy that we're really with drills. Yeah, it's got Nick Bolton some Oklahoma drills. I don't drills think going. George is doing an Oklahoma drill with Jake Fromm. I don't think anybody is, bro. Uh, so, but the fact that Tate Martell transfers from Ohio State, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of talk about it, and he's been vocal about what didn't get the job last year and is going to go down to Miami, get a job, and, and got the waiver, and all this added up to Tate Martell being the guy. And who knows? It might even be undeserved. I mean, we've never really seen the guy in action that much. Yeah. But they, you know, the the hype is built, and Miami's desperate for somebody to play QB. Well, this kid Jaron Williams gets the gig instead. A young man out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. A bit of a surprise. I was shocked in the standpoint that he's a freshman and he's going to be getting his first game experience against the Florida Gators opening night of college football. I mean. How's that to, you know, to be baptized by fire, basically? Um, but here's the thing, though, you know, and, and I think if you're Manny Diaz, I think the best quarterback, obviously, that he thinks at least is playing. So if you're going to go with a young guy who doesn't have a lot of game experience, in fact, zero game experience, then so be it. But I, I was surprised that Tate Martell wasn't the guy, honestly. Yeah, me too. And, and, um, I guess probably because we just didn't really – we're not close to that Miami situation yeah. and just didn't really know mu- as much about the Williams kid, but we've heard the tape Martell. So I think that's – we're guilty of that, mm-hmm. you know, of just being thrown out the name. But now Williams gets this team. If You know, they have a decent football team. They have a good defense. Offensively, eh, we'll see. Yeah. But if they can get anything out of this young man – and, you know, he's a dual threat. And now you wonder because of that, because they don't have uh, a guy that they just can trust and say, hey, go sling it around and throw the football and we'll see where we go. You almost lean toward the dual threat guy because he can make some things happen even if the passing game isn't there. Right on his legs, right? yeah. I mean, exactly. It, that's where you go. It's this day and age of football. If you're not brilliant in the pocket, if you're not up to speed with an offense, well, that's okay. We can do this because we can get bailed out. Sure. My question and to it's you, tougher to defend. But my question to you, like I just said, I mean, first game of your entire college career against the Florida Gators in Orlando, how much of a leash do you think he's going to be on? Where say the first couple games he's not succeeding, how much of a leash do you think he's going to be on? Well, here's what I think they've got to be super careful of. In in. It seems like all the teams, Miami, Florida, Florida State, recently have been involved in this where they can't, they're not 100% settled on a guy. Mm. And I think you've got to be careful to yank the guy. If they're naming him the quarterback, he's got to play this football game. Yeah. I don't think you can, I mean, unless it's, you still have a chance to win that's going nowhere, then I think you got to try to win that football game in the second half. But if you made this decision, you got to play him. And you got to let him grow a little bit. And you got to go through the bumps. That's part of it. You made the decision. That's all you got. 
Yeah. You got to ride with it. I don't like the jockeying around. I don't think that helps the football team. Especially out. with that transfer portal now, too. Everyone wants to dive <laughs> in that thing, man. <laughs> More on the college football talk, but next, Ryan O'Halloran joins us from Denver. We talk NFL over Summer the weekend. Too. Jacksonville West, a little wrestling. What's yeah. up with Cam Robinson? Is it a tough camp out in Denver? They have injuries, too. It's all next on ESPN 690. All right, so I have a question. And you've played in three different markets, three different organizations. I've covered three different organizations. Patriots, Giants, here in Jacksonville. Up close. Four, four markets, but it's okay. What did I leave out? I don't know. You said three markets. It's, been, it's four markets. J- Jacksonville, Kansas City, Chicago, Detroit. I forgot about Detroit. Most people do, Brent. Did you do uh, did, did you do a camp with all four? Uh, I, I didn't do a camp with Detroit. There you go. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Gotcha. <laughs> Wiggled my way out of that one. <laughs> Safe. But the, I was thinking of this today. Are we the only team, media, organization that on a daily basis says, how hard is camp? How easy is camp? How hard is camp? Yeah. And I feel like I, it got me thinking back to my days covering the Giants camp up in Albany. And I would say we talked that. I, I remember talking about how hard it was, mostly if it went against the rules. Because Strahan and some other players would challenge Coughlin on it. Yeah. And so that's why it was a topic. But it wasn't like, wow, it went easy today, or this is an easy camp. It didn't feel like that year in, year out, day in, day out. And New England, as much as you'd think a Bill Belichick camp would be hard, tough, grueling, yeah. all those things, or maybe just because no information gets out. For the couple of years I covered them up close and personal, I don't remember that being a theme. And that was before they won the trophy. So yeah. I just but, don't remember it as much as here. But, you know, you're so entrenched in in a specific place that you're like, it, it becomes a topic because you can only talk about a 15-yard post so yeah. many times. Do you remember those days, though, where teams would get punished for, like, Having the practices be too intense, especially like an OTAs and minicamp where oh. if the guys are hitting too hard. Listen, like, man, Coughlin was on the edge. Days? It was Coughlin against Strahan. You remember and, the players union coming in having oh, to like absolutely. suspend teams for like a week because they were going too hard? Strahan didn't talk to us for an entire camp Dang. because of that stuff that was going on at yeah. one time. I forget what year it was, but sure. it was before they won the Super Bowls. And he didn't talk to the entire media gathered in Albany. And everybody goes up there from New York and yeah. everyone covers the training camp. And I remember because my old boss at our TV station, he made it a point to ask him every day if he would talk. He's like, I'm going to ask him every day and make him say no. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get it twisted, man. That's a guy that loves the camera, too. That's a guy that loves to talk. Yeah. Dang. He went quiet. Wow. That's a guy that doesn't go quiet. Doesn't go dark at all. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post, uh, beat writer for the Broncos, covers all things NFL, though. And he's been around the blocker, too, including here in Jacksonville when he was a beat reporter for the Florida Times Union. Also spent a lot of time uh, covering the Redskins. Same question for you, man. First of all, how you doing? Hope you had a good weekend. And secondly... Do they talk about how hard camp is in the other places as much as they do here? Um, probably not, and a good to join you, fellas. Uh, you know, my first year covering the league was 04, where you still were allowed two-a-days, but one one practice in pads. But even Joe Gibbs would go two, then one, then two. The toughest camp I've ever covered was Doug's camp two years ago. Yeah. Um, oh. It felt like it was 1,000 degrees every day. He was, you know, to his, to his credit, he was pushing these guys toward the cliff to see how far they wanted it, wanted to go and how much they were willing to pay. And then he pulled the reins out back after that Tampa Bay preseason game. But, you know, one thing Vic Fangio talks about here is, you know, because people are asking him, well, you're running such long practices, and he correctly points out. Like today they had 79 snaps of 11 and 11 here in Denver. Joe Flacco had 32. 
it's not like he's taking every single snap and making 75 throws uh, per day. So it's it's all in how you look at it because it is a 90 man roster and a lot and everybody is getting reps. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's a good call. I mean, I, it's just interesting. I thought of that today for some reason. I, I, the easy, the the club med, the the hard. I mean, you usually talk about it once or twice. Will it be? Or maybe when it's all done, when the players are complaining about it. But it feels like it's always. With Jack Del Rio, we used to do it all the time. Used to be like, hey, this one's going to be hard. Now it's nighttime practice. Now it's this. But I guess it's just the monotony of camp at times um, that you kind of jump into. All right, let me stick with the Jags and ask you about. Uh, this situation, because I think you saw it from afar. Jaguars get thumped on Thursday. You know what happens. The world falls apart. Everybody's first preseason game, 31 players sit, and everybody's, oh, boy. And on Saturday morning, Doug Marone does not help the case because he's about as woe as me as we've seen in three years as the head coach of the Jacksonville at the news conference. And a couple of days later, Cam Robinson's off the pup list and on the practice field. Give us your take. Well, you're right about uh, the head football coach on Saturday because, you know, you're not supposed to be out of answers on August 10th. And he just looked – it had nothing to do with 29 nothing. He you know, he probably wasn't totally surprised by that. He knows that there are depth issues at a lot of different spots. But, you know, I sent a text to a colleague right after that press conference when he said, Cam Robinson, Marquis Lee, probably not ready for the regular season. I said, cynical me says he's sending a message to Cam Robinson saying – Pick it the hell up. Yeah. And two days later, he's on the field. You know, I'm going to go with that theory because uh, Marquise Lee is a guy who knows how to take care of himself. He's a veteran. But maybe Cam needs that little bit of a you know kick in the rear end, even if he said he didn't hear about it. I'm sure he heard about it from his family and friends. And because this is a heck of an about turn over a 48-hour span where Doug is saying probably not for Kansas City, and all of a sudden he's out there with a helmet. Yeah, and I think you know, I think you're right about it based off the evidence of the last 48 hours, 72 hours, and I think you're correct. What I wonder if he risked a little bit, Ryan, is being a little bit too woe is me to send one guy a message. You know, I mean, the tone of that news conference on Saturday, uh, even if it was calculated, was like, gosh, I mean, aren't we still four weeks away? Yeah, I think I think that part was still pretty genuine because I think I think. You know, one thing Doug is always looking ahead a little bit, and I think in his mind is, okay, what what's next? What what's the you know, ten shoes have dropped already. What can, what else can go wrong? And as he said, hey, change his philosophy. Um, I, I I would have fathomed him sitting out thirty one guys two years ago for that New England preseason game. I mean, they, these these guys were frothing at the mouth during that walk through the Foxborough the day before mm-hmm. getting ready to play. But I think the Robinson thing was calculated. But also, I don't think I don't think there. I think his, his demeanor was pretty spot on in terms of hey, he's looking at the opener being four weeks away. I think in his mind, he's looking at that's 28 days for more stuff to go wrong. Hey, Ryan Austin Lane here. You know, speaking of guys sitting out, I mean, you've you've seen the narrative in Jacksonville, the wrestling a lot of guys getting ready for the the first game of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who's you know coming off a pretty se- severe Achilles injury. Um, you know, he's working his way back into camp. Fangio says has he's probably going to play in the preseason. I mean, from your standpoint, are you kind of surprised that Emmanuel Sanders could get some preseason reps going into his tenth year now in the NFL, being a bona fide wide receiver like he is? Yeah, I was surprised, Austin, and because, like you said, you know, does he really need it? 
But I think with the new coaching staff, I think they just want to get them out there and uh, run around a little bit. He's not going to play 30, 40 snaps. I'd play him against the Rams a week from Saturday night and say, hey, just test it out, make some cuts, just make sure all systems go because, you know, it is different in a game compared to practice. You know, he's still on a pitch count for snaps in 11 on 11 here. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Vic also didn't want to rule it out either because uh, that would have been another storyline that may have been more negative because the natural question after that would be, well, has he had a setback? Is he going to be ready for the opener? Sure. Uh, whereas now you're like, okay, if he doesn't play in the preseason, Vic can say, hey, we felt we saw enough in the practices. This guy's going to be ready to go uh, for the Monday night opener against Oakland. But you look at teams around the league sitting out all these guys. I, I think it's, I mean, yes, it sucks for the fans, but, you know, these, these coaches are trying to get ready for week one. I do think some of these players need some live bullets to get ready for the, get ready for these uh, early season games because what they're going to be interested in is all these players who sat out all of August, I mean, are they going to be more prone to injury in the first couple weeks of the season? Because are they really in condition to play 80 snaps? I don't think so. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. We were talking about earlier on the show too, Ryan. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Joins us weekly, talk all things NFL, but a little focus on Denver and and also, of course, Jaguars, who we used to cover on a daily basis. But I almost wonder how many players will go up to their position coach or the head coach and say, hey, I need a few reps. I get what you're doing, but I really would feel comfortable with a few reps. I mean, Taven Bryan the other day, he played a ton of snaps in that first half and even admitted when he was mic'd up on the sideline that he was gassed. You know, he just wasn't in game yeah. shape. I don't, especially if you think about the heat on September 8th here, you'd love to get some reps, I think, as a player, even though you understand the risk or, the risk of injury. Yeah, and, and as a play caller, let's say you're John DiFilippo and, and, and Nick Foles says, hey, and Doug Morales, I want to get 10 snaps against the Eagles Thursday night. Okay, call a couple run plays, call a screen, call a shot with max protection. You know, you're, you know Nick Foles is a veteran. He knows how to get rid of the football. He knows how to protect himself. But as it correlates to Joe Flacco, he's an 11th-year guy. He played 11 snaps the other night. He said, hey, you cannot replace – what we saw out there and he goes there was a free blitzer that hit him he goes we recognize that protection moving forward uh there was a little problem with the headset from the offensive coordinator he called timeout so all those little things that just get some new reps with the new, new new staff i think it does become beneficial and it's not and you're not being reckless either yeah, it's a fascinating chess match that the coaches are playing with their roster right now in the preseason. Where does that lead bigger things in terms of 18-2 and two or whatever it might be? Uh, we'll find out down the road. We'll talk more about that as we as the weeks go along and the years go along closer to that CBA. By the way, in a couple of weeks, I just want to make sure I put this in your mind. Can you file a couple of reports for us about Jacksonville West when you see the Rams and you see Bortles and you see Brandon Allen and you see Johnny Wolfrick from Bishop Kenny? Uh, so I'm, make sure you keep I'm that in your excited. back pocket. <laughs> I'm getting excited to see Blake play because he's probably gonna he's gonna start. Jared Goff's not gonna play at all the preseason, so that'll be uh, the third preseason game for the Rams. So looking forward to seeing that Jed Fish is on the Rams staff. Yes, his favorite in Jaguars. So be like covering uh, the Super yeah, so Bowl be, all over. It'll be like old home week. <laughs> hey, what's your takeaway? Anything early in the preseason? I like to go broad with you on the NFL. I mean, we talk a little bit about those guys, and the, it is a little Jacksonville West. Even Nathan Peterman had a couple of nice moments for the Raiders. But how about the Antonio Brown thing? The Ra- are the Raiders already a mess um, with this whole Brown situation? Uh, what's the word out toward the toward the Rockies and the West Coast on Antonio Brown yeah. and the Raiders? 
It's be fascinating to see how they handle that hardbacks Friday because they totally ignored it last week, mm-hmm. obviously by John Gruden's uh, mandate. First of all, I'm, I'm rooting for Nathan Peterman. Uh, there's probably a couple of us out there. I think he's a good kid. I mean, he's a Jacksonville guy. He did a story on him before the draft. I think he got a raw deal because he was put in a position to fail in Buffalo. Hopefully he can carve out a career as a number two. Okay, Antonio Brown. Uh, it's almost like when he's not there, it's less of a headache because these guys are going about their business and they're in their own little cocoon. It's a headache for John Gruden. It's a headache for Mike Mayock because, first of all, he's injured, so he's not healthy. So when is, when is he going to be cleared to do that? And second of all, in the helmet thing, uh, it'd be one thing if it was six or seven guys. Tom Brady said today on the radio in, on, in Boston, it's the rules. I had to change my helmet. I didn't like it, but I got used to it. Okay, if Tom's saying that, Antonio Brown said fall in line too. So, I mean, total diva move uh, that you know should, should have a conclusion here pretty soon. But I think the bigger issue for the Raiders is, will he be healthy enough for week one? Yeah, I think you, you have some guys in the NFL that you'd like to just say, please show up Sunday morning. Yeah, or yeah. Saturday for the flight. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think one of them. I think one of them wears number twenty for the Jaguars. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm hearing a lot of good things about him in the building, about maturity, and we've seen him coaching out of the field with some of the young guys. Uh, yeah, these well, guys are growing up, maybe. And, and Leonard Fournette indicated today. He talked to Sirius about it. He said, "I changed a lot of things in the off season. Got bad people out of my life." I mean, there is a little. I mean, Antonio Brown. We have to go to Wyoming to train. We're going to change a lot of things. Listen, Antonio Brown's been in this thing a lot. You can question whether he's ever going to grow up. I do think, at least from the Jags' perspective, on a couple of guys you might point out, they're still relatively young. I mean, 24 years old, 25 years old, so there's still hope. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like Leonard, Leonard, hopefully for the Jaguars' sake, is that Leonard had a you know a come to Jesus moment this offseason where he said, "Hey, if I continue on this path." I will not get a second contract from anybody, much less for any kind of money. Uh, so he has a lot at stake. You know, Ramsey, he's in his own little world in the offseason. So, he, he, you know, what he has at stake is he wants to become the first $20 million a year corner. But, uh, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned guys coaching, coaching players up. Uh, it reminds me of old special teams coach of the Redskins. He has asked about a veteran coaching some young guys. He said, Mike wants to do a lot of coaching because Mike doesn't want to do a lot of running. And, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And I will I will say this. I forgot to pass this along uh, just because you said running. Uh, Nick Foles, last guy on the practice field today doing sprints. He's the only guy still out there, there after he go. met with the media. So there you go, Jacksonville. That's your quarterback. Uh, all right. What is it? What, what time? Is it SummerSlam? It's called or SummerSlam. Brent, it was the biggest party of the summer. Where were you at last night, man? Um, Not taking part in it. Working. Okay. Ryan, did you watch SummerSlam last night? I did. I didn't watch it live, but I ripped through it afterwards. All right. Um, See, he was working too. Go ahead. Okay, give me uh, give me the, the biggest takeaways, positive and negative, please. Uh, positive was the fact that Seth Rollins reclaimed the belt because Brock Lesnar is basically a part-time worker right now. <laughs> he should not have a championship belt for any length of time. Okay. I think Seth is very popular crowd. I thought that was a great match. Fantastic um, match. You know, negative. Um, it just it just. Austin, you maybe agree this is somebody who grew up watching the sport. Yeah, tag team wrestling used to be like the best. Now True. it's just, now it, it can't even make the main card. So they keep on trying to fit some score pegs around holes. But you did, I would, you know, I just waiting for the next great tag team duel, and it's just not materializing. But I mean, overall, I thought I thought Kevin Owens beating Shane McMahon. That's what should have happened. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, you know, Becky Lynch holding on to the belt. That's probably what should have happened too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll agree with you with, with the tag team matches, man. Yeah, because you have guys who, you know, either they're brothers or they've worked together for a long time. So the chemistry is there. But for whatever reason, they're not getting a push. They're not getting the stage to kind of showcase their skills and everything. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly where the tag team match is kind of falling. I'm just going to say my positive was Bray Wyatt. Obviously, we talked about him a little bit the last time you called in. I thought he was great for his entrance uh, and everything. And then my negative, honestly, was probably... Not necessarily Becky Lynch, but where does she go from here? I think she needs Sasha Banks to yeah. come back and try to have a pretty good feud because, listen, she's, she's on the cover of the new game coming out and everything. They're trying to keep on pushing her, but she needs that opponent. If Ronda Rousey's gone, who's going to step up and uh, kind of you know step up to her? I don't think Natty was that person, so hopefully Sasha Banks comes back. All right, Brent, we're done. That's it. That's it. All right. I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> All right. I'm glad, man. <laughs> I'm, surprised he's, I'm surprised he's still in the studio. Ratings are going through the roof right now, Ryan. We, we might actually lose out here. Right. Starting to lose our bandwidth. I love I love giving it to the wrestling fans out there. Yeah, Absolutely. There uh, Ryan O'Halloran spent some time in Glens Falls, New York. Spent some time in Jacksonville, Florida. And now Denver Post covering the Broncos. We'll catch up with you again next week, man. Have a good one. All right, fellas. Take care now. Thanks. All right. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran, uh, formerly of the Florida Times Union. Always good to catch up with him on football and a little wrestling. Oh, and yes. now we welcome in John Bachman. Gentlemen, CBS 47 and Fox 30 TV timeout time. What's happening? We got actually hey, some high school football news. We do have some high school football news. Uh, before, can I give a quick plug, though, for dish viewers? If you're driving home today oh, yeah, this is important. and you get CBS 47 uh, on Dish Network. Uh-huh. Well, we haven't been on Dish Network for a while now. Okay. And so if you've been missing CBS 47 at 5 o'clock, you can watch it on Fox 30. We are so simulcasting. No Dish still. Not yet. So we are simulcasting our CBS 47 at 5 newscast over on Fox as well. So Fox 30, for, for the time being, will be broadcasting at 5 o'clock the Action News Jacks newscast at 5. Should I use this platform to hammer Dish right now because they're not carrying I, CBS 47? I don't want to get involved in that. Because I don't want to get involved in that. Well, I, I'm not sure we're supposed or not. I have direct TV. Quick question, though. So <laughs> since you guys are going over to Fox, and I could call Brent, uh, since you guys are going over to Fox, which is great for you because more people watching, I mean, is there going to be a group that's not watching Judge Judy now? Or so like, what do you guys taking place of? That's a great question. Like Judge I, Judy, Judge I think Judge, I think Judge Judy no, is on CBS. Is no, it? I think it. I don't oh. know. Expect some phone calls, guys. So I'm going to say that's a good call. We probably will get some phone calls. I honestly can't say for sure what we're preempting right Judge now. Judge Judy at five goes o'clock. at seven on CBS. I no, know, but there right? is something on a five. I think that's a four on. Five. I don't it's not know. Not like The Simpsons. Steve Wilkos or something maybe. That's a great. I I don't know because okay. the only show that really matters is CBS 47. Just, right. Jackson, I'm five. just expecting. Just wait. So, just wait. This is a good moment for just us. Just so wait. The floodgates are going to open up. I'm just okay. saying though, the floodgates right. are going to open up because right. someone's going to be mad right. because their show's You're not right. there anymore. Well, and let me I'm just say, guys, they are mad. It's temporary. We don't intend to do this permanently. From what I'm being told on high, it's temporary because. We have quite a few viewers who are accustomed to seeing our 5 o'clock sure. newscast and can't right now. So we're doing it for temporary till they get the deal worked More out. More power to you. So that's that. By the so, way, you will hear from the, the day you don't want to be usually. It, this has um, gone down a little bit because of like the NFL packages and the Red Zone channel. Yeah. But the day you don't want to be in a newsroom oh, is yes, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. That's right. And try to explain to everybody what football game is being shown sure. and why it's being that's shown. Right. Sure. That's right. That's, that's right. the worst day. To yeah. be the assignment desk person, yes. yeah. you feel bad for them. Yeah. That's right. All right, so <laughs> getting back getting back to the, the, the leaping off point, which is uh, 
high school football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revolt High School uh, has had some upheaval for the football team as they get ready to start start playing games. Um, you probably did you already report this that the, the no. football coach has been removed from his duties. Uh, and forgive me, I don't know the head coach's Kelvin name. Smith. But Kelvin Smith. Kelvin Smith has. By the been, way, has done a nice job with that program. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 we've, anyway, we'll move on. So he's so he's off off he's the head out. coaching job. He's not. We, 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 I don't want to say any more than that because they're not saying. It's an open and ongoing investigation, so we're getting limited information. But right now, he is not the head football coach at Rebolt. Okay. And just within the last few minutes, we got to confirm that the athletic director at Rebolt has been reassigned to a teaching position at Northwestern Middle School. Hmm. So the AD is out there as well. So And that's what I had heard over the weekend. Yeah, I heard you, Friday you the that, that the off, AD yeah. and the coach were out at Rebolt. That's right. And we still don't know why. We don't know why. There's a lot of speculation. Sure. I, you know, just we can't report it yet because we don't have it all buttoned up. But this a re- by, by the way, whatever, hap- uh, whatever happened happen mm-hmm. and there's there's got to be decent reason because I think he has the support of the football team and a lot of the players. Yeah, uh, it sounds like at least on the social media. Yeah, social channels, media and he's is done pretty upset well. about it. He's a, he's an alum. Yeah, I mean, so he's done a nice job of bringing that. So they had some down years, some lean years in the last two years. They made the playoffs, going seven and four, I think, each of the years. So I don't know what the situation is exactly. I'm sure we'll eventually find out. Right. But uh, that's a tough thing, man. Your football team get a new coach two weeks before the start of the season. Yeah, and I don't Not know. If it, weeks, I assume yeah. they're going to promote an assistant who at least knows what's going on. And There's can, an interim can according to some going. of the players, yeah. and their name uh, is lost on me right now. But they're the easiest thing to do yeah. is to kind of try to keep that train that's moving. That's really forward. all you can do, I think. Yeah. You know, you can't go get somebody now. The staff. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, is there some crazy video. Another, you know, these guys breaking through these bu- businesses, breaking through the wall, so they get in through a neighboring business in like a strip mall, and then they gash these holes in the, into the wall, and then they sneak into the actual business they want to break into. Huh. That hmm. happened again over Shawshank Redemption. Weekend. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little Oceans bit. Duval or something. Maybe? Um, <laughs> Oceans Duval. Oceans Duval. I like that. Yeah. Um, so there's, so there's a pretty crazy uh, story there that uh, local pharmacy got hit. Okay. And it's interesting because the, the the guy was trying to get into the safe. Yeah. And and couldn't. So it's kind success. of interesting. Interesting what happened after that. So Truly you have to oceans do stay tuned. Yeah. yeah, stay tuned for that. Do you think that uh, that stuff happens? Um, this would be unofficial. More, or like the economy is technically like I use it allegedly. Good, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you unemployment. In, let's put it this way: the unemployment rate is down right now. So I mean, as low as it's been a long time. Is, is that uh, am I like stereotyping or typecasting, whatever, to say usually in a good economy, maybe you'll see less of that stuff? It would make some sense, I guess. Uh, I haven't run the numbers, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I know generally speaking, crime is down. Um, obviously, we've had a, a spike in some violent crime recently in yeah. Jacksonville, but mm-hmm. overall, um, I believe the latest numbers were that, you know, overall crime is trending down. Um, so that would go hand in hand with the fact that unemployment is also at near or at record lows. Yeah. So um, certainly probably does. It makes some sense there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, all right. Yeah. John Bachman, kids went off to school today. They Good. did. I've got a high schooler, Brent. Yeah. How Ooh. about that? You do. T- you. Yes, high school. Oh yeah, yeah high schoolers, kinda. man. Yeah. Kinda, kinda, anyway, we'll kinda. <laughs> yeah. But high school. Are you trying to hold them back for athletics or what? <laughs> huh? Middle school and I got the trifecta. I got elementary, middle, and high school. Jeez. So God it was. Uh, it got real when I. It got real when I sent the high schooler off today. I was like, she's gonna be driving in a year. Yeah. Man. How about that? That's frightening. That's crazy. Brett, how did you do today? Any tears or anything? Any emotions? No tears. You at don't all. care, huh? No. Nope. Okay. I don't. Just went to work. <laughs>
Johnny awesome. Bachman, see him on CBS 47 and Fox 30 tonight at 5. And again, at Dish Customers. That's right. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Fox Normally 30. can't see us, but you can on Fox 30 now for for the foreseeable future till they get things squared away. All right. Thanks for All stopping right. by, man. Thanks, Hope you guys. Have a good weekend. Take care. All yeah. right. Uh, and again, uh, John will have the latest and and the rest of the news team on the uh, Rebalt uh, High School football uh, situation. We'll keep our eye on that too from the football side of things as we get ready for our first Friday night blitz coming up Friday. Kickoff classics this week. Games really count next week. That's when we'll have our first game of the week on ESPN 690. We'll call that game. That will be. Trinity Christian in Lake City, Columbia. So we're excited. High school football season is here. Going to be a fun weekend. College football just around the corner. Miami names a starting quarterback up against the Gators in less than two weeks. Let's go a little balling and falling when we come back. Plus, we have interviews with Dayton Jones, Avery Jones, Jones and Jones. I like that. And more Nick Foles conversation with a Philadelphia point of view coming up before the end of the show. It's all on the way on ESPN 690. Uh, you know, we, we've been able to hit some deep balls. Um, you know, we also, we, we've missed a few as well. Um, but, you know, we're getting there. We're improving. We're, we're working on things. We're seeing a lot of different coverages from our defense um, that dictates a lot of different things. But, um, you know, our guys are, you know, making some really good plays, and, you know, we'll keep improving on it. That's Nick Foles after practice talking about the deep ball. And I'll tell you what. He has had a connection, and you can't deny it, on the long ball especially, with Chris Conley. You know, and we've discussed this, hey, who does he trust? And it makes a lot of sense. They know each other. They're familiar with each other. They're veterans. But that long ball, like once a practice, it seems like, he's dropping it in the bucket, and Chris Conley's running away from somebody. So, uh, you know, even <laughs> to the point yesterday, at, uh, someone w- was talking about that him and Conley and Ramsey were jawing at each other a little bit after practice, yeah. you know, kind of in a fun-loving way. But it's happened enough where it's probably ticking the defense off even to a degree. <laughs> but isn't it kind of refreshing, you know, I mean, and Jaguars fans should probably see this during the regular season as well, where all of a sudden the long ball is now in play as opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago where it was jump balls going down Robinson and now Robinson have to make a, a great play. Now you're seeing wide receivers getting hit in stride, yeah. you know, kind of doing those fly routes and everything like that. So I think from, you know, the Jags fan perspective, they have to be excited about that. Yeah, and the thing about it is, for me, I don't think we've discussed enough at times about their speed. So they can send guys down there. You know, Conley, I, I don't know if he strikes everybody as a guy that can fly, but he can fly. Obviously, D.D. Westbrook can get after it. D.J. Chark can get down there. Keelan Cole, I mean, he's not, I don't know if he's a burner, but he, he can make the big play. We've seen it before in Jacksonville. And Marquise Lee, when he comes back, what I'd really like to see if Marquise Lee comes back to full health is utilize him in a way where you can just send him on a go route and go get the football. Hardly have seen it in his career because he's been used as more of a possession kind of guy or, you know, sometimes they'll they'll run him behind on some misdirection type stuff. But from a, a strict just go get the ball. Haven't had a lot of that with Marquise Lee, and I think it was based on their offense, whether it was Blake, whether it was what they were calling. So maybe it even opens up for Marquise Lee when he comes back, when he feels good, when he gets a rapport uh, with Nick Foles, and obviously has no time right now to be able to do uh, something like that. But more Nick Foles conversation coming up. We'll talk to Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And he's in town today doing a story on Foles. And I spent a lot of time after practice talking to Marcus just about how beloved Foles is up in Philadelphia. And I want to get you that point of view as you enter this week where it's kind of Foles Philly week. And 
Thursday's preseason game here in Jacksonville, give you a little bit more background on uh, kind of the fans' love affair uh, with Nick Foles. Now, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Let's do a little balling and falling quick. we got some interviews to get to as well. All right, balling, Brent, 23 points is a decent day in the NFL. Would you agree? Did you put up 23 points? Uh, bad. 23 points gives you a good chance to win. Yeah, it, however, is a slobber knocker in terms of Major League Baseball. And the Baltimore Orioles have found out the hard way as they opted to throw BP to the Houston Astros, resulting in a 23-2 to slobber knocker. 23-2. to That is a baseball score that happened over the weekend. Yeah, well, not only that, man, but it was 23-2 to on Saturday. Yeah. And they lost 8-7 to the next day. Yeah. Welcome to baseball. True. And I heard uh, Ty told me this. I think he told me. He's, and I didn't see it. Like that they were one of the heaviest favorites in the history of Vegas. Houston was the next day and uh, lost. Yeah. So because Verlander was pitching. Yeah. On Sunday for the Astros. Sure. I mean, listen, I saw the Orioles last week. They are terrible. Mm-hmm. They're awful. Yeah. Just stink. But it's a crazy sport, man, when they come back and, and win. You know, one Just of the say, base- 23 to 2 is ridiculous. No, man. that's bad. Yeah. But uh, it's slow-pitch softball a little bit now uh, in big league baseball. It really <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. Or it's kind of all or nothing. can be get some really good pitching performances, too. We saw mm-hmm. a couple of one nothing games this weekend. Um, you know, One observation. I don't know if anybody else noticed this. The Braves, obviously, they br- the bu- bullpen <laughs> blew it. Uh, the other night against the Marlins, mm-hmm. and the bullpen struggled, I think, even again uh, Sunday. So they have some issues now, it feels like, in the bullpen. But what I wanted to note is I was watching the highlights of the Braves and Marlins game, and the Marlins who draw, what, like 5,000 people sometimes, and they've been criticized? Yeah. That Saturday night game, and I understand it was the Braves, so there could have been a decent amount of Braves, but it was a lot of people in the stands. I think it was like 30,000. Great crowd. And not only that, but they were energized. Like, they were they were loud for the mm-hmm. Marlins. I was like, wow, that's in- you don't usually hear that down in Miami. And I noticed it coming off the highlights, uh, even with Miami coming back and winning in dramatic fashion. They hung around for extra innings in that game to see Miami win. So, hey, maybe uh, Derek Jeter does have something going down there, at least on a Saturday night. <laughs> Uh, all right, here's my my ballin', and it's got to do a little bit with a fallen as well. Serena Williams has to retire. Mm-hmm. You can't just stop there. She's not retiring from tennis. No, no, I, I from, the, from, the, from the game, from the championship. Yeah, uh, against uh, Bianca Andrescu mm-hmm. in Canada. And the young Canadian ends up winning because Serena retires. And she had back spasms, and she tried to give it a go, couldn't do it. But did you see the yeah, address I school, see this. how she well, came over and comforted her and said, yeah. she's like, you're a bleeping beast. You yeah. know, I, I'm Serena, so, I obviously, visibly upset. And, and yeah. uh, she had it because, I mean, she's the ultimate competitor, right? And the fact that you had to, you know, basically quit because uh, your back was acting up. I mean, you could tell she was pretty emotional about it. And not it. only that, give credit to Serena because she didn't want to disappoint the fans. True. And she actually got the spasms the night before and mm-hmm. still tried to give it a go. Uh, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, go find the video. It's pretty cool sport. Like, yeah. it, it's what... It's why we like sports. It was mm-hmm. a pretty neat moment, especially yeah. for a young kid, like a 19-year-old. Yeah. Not not someone who's been around the block to do that, yeah. and it was genuine. And I thought it was really cool. For Even sure. dropped a couple F-bombs. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's got everything. It's got a little bit of everything. But it brings me to a bigger topic. Tiger Woods withdraws Friday morning from the golf event. Stiff back. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's been dealing with these injuries for a while. We've had numerous conversations about Tiger and his future. But it looked like things were headed in the right direction, wins the Masters. Serena Williams now, after having a baby, she's come back and she won... uh, 
she win like the Australian Open or something? She won. She's won a major, I think, after having the baby. Yeah. And has played well. She's still she's the greatest, maybe female athlete of all time. You might argue. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest athletes of all time. One of the most dominant athletes of all time, for sure. Unbelievable. But now do we start to link the two together where it's on the downside? And, and yeah. you're, Now, listen, golf's a sport where Tiger can play for the next 15 years at the Masters if he wants to. I don't know if he can play 12 events. Serena won't have that luxury. No. Serena, you know, as she gets... Tennis is a, is a rough game, it, to be it, honest. It's, yeah. it's hard on your knees. It's yeah. hard on your back. She's 37 years old. Yeah. So is this the end? Or the sort of the end? Or is there is there a parallel between Tiger and Serena, two of the greatest athletes we've seen in this era? And now it's about back injuries, availability. Can they make it through an event um, once again? You know, um, I think, like you said, Brent, I think with Tiger Woods, he can play the Masters, you know, 15 more years. With Serena, tennis being a pretty physical sport. Um, a lot of running obviously can be hard on your body and especially the way she plays, right? Power, you know, I mean, her, her game is power. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'd love to see her play for another 10 years, but is that really feasible? Cause they always say father's father time is undefeated, Brent. And, um, so we'll see. I, I just, I, I don't want to see this, the start of, you know, she's starting to fall apart. She tries to get back in and then it'll be heartbreaking to see her go down again. You know, like you just don't want to see her get seriously injured and have to walk away from the game, not in her terms. So. Hopefully it's just a back spasm thing. She can keep on playing. But what was the name of the girl that beat her again? The 19-year-old? Um, what did I just do with it? Uh, Bianca somebody. I mean, yeah. So, Bianca, very cool that you congratulate. I mean, you know, Bubiesca said she's a beast and everything. But let's be honest, though. I would be putting that on my LinkedIn page that I beat Serena Williams. <laughs> now, didn't, didn't beat her outright. Obviously, Serena Williams retired, and uh, she can't finish the game. Doesn't matter, though. When they look back in the history books and say that I beat Serena Williams, that's going to my LinkedIn page. You know where I'd put it, Coos? The Gram. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I would be upset because you call it the Gram, and then we'd be back to square one again, bro. Let's go falling right after this, yeah. but I want to give away some tickets, right, Coos? Yep. What are we doing? What are we giving away? Bush and Live tickets. Bush and Live. Do you know when that is? I should have pulled that up. Very good job having the information. <laughs> That's producer Coos, also known as Justin. J-U-S-T-I-N. Oh, man. 904-362-9901. Give him a holler. And, uh, Hopefully he'll tell you when the date is. If you're interested in the tickets, you probably know when the date is. <laughs> good point. But let's go caller number seven so that way Coos has to work harder in the commercial break. There we go. Make and it's Nick Foles week, Philly week. Yeah. Caller number seven. Bush and Live tickets. We're giving them away right now. 904-362-9901. Star, star, 690. Another way to get in. We're back with Fallen and my conversation with Avery Jones right after this. Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer joining us at about 5.15. Talk a little Nick Foles from a Philly point of view. He's down here uh, today talking about Foles and doing a story. And I think a bunch of media will be here early for this week because of the Foles and Philly week. It's a storyline despite being preseason. It'll be a big storyline around the NFL given what uh, Nick Foles means to that Philadelphia fan base and uh, winning that Super Bowl a couple years ago, including Super Bowl MVP. Brent Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane with us. Coos as well. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Off to a good start uh, and nice and cool (laughs) here on a Monday. I mean, it is warm. I like hot. But it is hot. I don't know what the feel like was today, but uh, you know, ever since we got back from Baltimore, it was feel like 109, 109, and yesterday feel like around 4:30 in the afternoon was 117. 
the feel like outside, man. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the hottest day I felt like of the year. But I feel like when you get over 105, it all kind of feels the same. You know, I do. It sucks. I, I'm kind of like that too, and especially because I really don't mind the heat at all. Yep. And but I I will I will give into this. The last few days felt different. Yeah. It felt ramped up a little bit more than normal. I mean, it's it's August. It's Florida. Mm-hmm. You expect it to be hot. Yeah. But these last couple of days, man. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty darn. Uh, Toasty. Yeah, it makes you wonder how I ever played uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars for three years. Yeah, how many? Honestly, uh, I think I probably asked you this before. How much weight was the most you've ever lost? It was ten. 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 And the thirteen was the most I ever saw a player lose. Today and yesterday was a ten-pound practice. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I like that ten-pound practice. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely, hands down. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, drink up, people. Yeah. Well, that and bring two pairs of shoes, man. Because once those shoes get all soggy, Brent, it could ruin your whole practice. That's why Nick Foles was asked about his shoes because he he said he changed them halfway through. Because the guy's a genius. Well, I don't think he said it because of the moisture and the heat. He's more said it to preserve his other cleats. He's lying. But I think you're right. I thought that's what he was going to say. They probably weighed an extra five pounds. I mean, do you want a football player? Do you want the general of your offense to come out and say, "Yeah, I changed my shoes because my feet were a little too soggy"? Like, it doesn't sound too tough, right? So, go ahead and lie to the media and say you changed them out because you want to preserve the cleats a little bit. Break them in. Falls, I'm on you, man. It's all good. All right, let's I got do your back. Quick falling. And my fall is going to be yeah. uh, Rich Paul rule. Did you see? I did see that. Yeah, they're not doing it. Yep. Oh, they got the pushback yep. in the NCAA. All of a sudden, has no backbone, man. No All of a sudden, there's an outrage on Twitter, and then NCAA goes away. They're yeah. most of the time morons, and secondly, they have no backbone. <laughs> yep. Okay, what's your fallen? Fallen, uh, balling on the passion here, Brent, but fallen on the result. An entire Irish rugby team was in Toronto as part of a team bonding activity. They went to, I guess what any Irish rugby team would do, they went with Canadian tuxedos, a.k.a. jean pants and jean jackets, to a Toronto Blue Jays game and proceeded to get 50 shades of drunk. Unfortunately, they got so out of hand that the entire team had to be escorted out of the building because of public drunkenness. On the way out, you can see them doing a bunch of chants and uh, doing push-ups as well for some reason. Uh, go ahead and look at it on Twitter. You can see these guys getting thrown out. An entire Irish rugby team getting thrown out of Toronto. Yeah, a little aggressive. It was pretty <laughs> aggressive. And they're all wearing jean jackets and jeans, man. I respect it, though. The Irish get down. They, I guess they do. The Irish get down. And rugby teams get down. Yeah. But think about this, though. They went to a Blue Jays game knowing they're going to go. They obviously didn't come preparing to go to the game wearing jean jackets and jeans. So they had to go to some store, right? Like, yeah. Dude, that, that's a long process to just you know show up to a baseball game. But I respect it, but falling because you guys got thrown out. They had some time on their hands. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to talk Avery Jones in just a bit, but we'll probably save it till the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Uh, so... Instead of going there right now and talking about this defense in their front, because you caught up with Dayton Jones, we'll hear from that him. I it, it, it's a little bit lengthier, so we'll hear from him probably at tomorrow. Yeah, we had fun. Um, and I think I'm catching up with Marcel Darius tomorrow, too. Mm-hmm. So we kind of take care of all the big guys oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in the middle, which I think is a fascinating piece of it. Uh, so we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But uh, anybody stick out over the weekend from an NFL point of view? Like, listen, I say... We say what? Pump your brakes. I'm sure. getting too excited. Yeah. Pump your brakes. I'm getting uh, overly worrisome and hitting the panic button on the preseason. But anybody jump out and be like, all right, now I want to see him again, you know, and see if he can back it up. I mean, from <sighs> Kyle Murray to, I mean, the, so okay. go all the way back so to Thursday. Going, yeah. Um, man. Well, I think Daniel Jones, you have to say, yeah. because perfect dude showed up. Yeah, yeah, he was perfect uh, for the New York Giants. And, 
listen, when you have a guy like that with Eli Manning, what necessarily do you do? I mean, you have a young team for the most part. You got a young running back in Saquon Barkley going to be the future of that franchise for sure. I mean, if, you, if you're if you the New York Giants and say, you know, say Daniel Jones in two or three games is outperforming Eli Manning. I mean, let's say, okay, let's worst case scenario, Eli Manning starts off pretty rocky like he did last season uh, to close it out. I mean, do you bring in Daniel Jones right away and just say, Eli, it's been fun, we had good memories, but we're going a younger direction now? Like, how do, how do you do that for your team? I guess is what I'm saying here. Where you're paying Eli all this money. I mean, is it right to play him for the whole season, or do you bring Daniel Jones in right away? Well, I think you look at two situations over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and one of them would be Patrick Mahomes' situation. And John Dorsey, and both actually involved John Dorsey. Dorsey said, or they said as an organization, Reed yeah. and everybody else said, hey, we're going to sit him. We do have Alex Smith. True. Well, Alex Smith helped that away, and it, and it put any want from the fan base to get to Mahomes quick because he played so well. Remember, mm-hmm. he was an MVP candidate that year, and then they traded him. Yeah. But they, I mean, he performed very well. Mm-hmm. So it was the perfect, perfect situation. You get veteran guy who you think's pretty darn good, but not probably elite. And he plays excellent football, and he has the young guy be able to groom and and sit and the way everybody would love to do it if they draw it up. Sit the guy for at least a year, learn under Andy Reid and Alex Smith and everything else. Well, then you have the Cleveland situation. And what they did is they draft Baker Mayfield with the idea once again to sit him. Mm -hmm. And they bring in Tyrod Taylor. And they paid him a decent amount of money, right? Tyrod Taylor. I think it was Tyrod Taylor, right? They brought it. Yes. Yes. Yes, It was Tyrod Taylor. They brought in. To be the starter while Mayfield sat. Yeah. Well, that lasted about 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, right? supposedly Tyler Taylor got hurt, right? Uh, and then they had to bring in Baker. I mean, well, and they Mayfield no looked good in the preseason. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We can do this right now. So True. And, and they went that direction. And they played him through. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, much like they tried to do here. They tried to say, okay, Blake's green. He's raw. He's like, we, he's not ready to go. So we're going to sit him. Well, then three weeks in, bam, yeah. put him out there. So, and much the same thing with Gabbard. Mm-hmm. So, again, those are the schools of thought on it. And I think it's a perfect situation. Eli, Daniel Jones, and I do think Daniel Jones needs some work sitting down. Like, maybe Patrick Mahomes, because of his gifts, was ready to go right in and be sure. good. I don't know. I, yeah. or nobody will ever know. But I'm not sure Daniel Jones is in that boat. Not so Eli close, Manning has to at least try to hold him off because you know the fandom's coming, right? Exactly. Say Daniel Jones keeps playing well in this preseason. Well, last year, they wanted you to play quarterback instead of Eli Manning in New York. Yeah, You can only imagine what they'll want now with Daniel Jones and to see the rookie and see somebody else. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating to play. I think they've set it up in a nice way because they have the veteran outgoing quarterback, with whether that's another year or two. That's up to Eli how he plays yeah and then daniel jones can be brought along in the right that's the way i think everybody would design it just doesn't always play out that way no sometimes you gotta throw the rookie in the fire we'll see all right happy hour horn coming up and also my conversation with avery jones i want to ask you about this defense i don't think we've talked enough about the avery marcel daria situation in the middle let's spend a little time on it next on espn 690 all right man this is going too fast I got a lot to get to. It's been a fast day. I'm talking too much. Speaking of, what do you got? I did, how much more do you pay in the vending machine when you use a credit card? Do you know? I don't I think it's like ten cents. Is that it? Okay. Diet Coke, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of. One of those days, Brent? Yeah. 
Yeah. Man, yeah. you know what the best part is? Is that you know I'm disappointed in you, right? Yeah. Like, like you know I'm not the happiest right now to see that Diet Coke. Yeah. But at least you understand it. I do. Yeah, it's all, all, right, all right. As long as you know. I know. As long as you know. This I get. I do have a little problem sometimes because, like, I did a... I did a lot of steps last week and got a couple of workouts in Baltimore, which is yep. very unusual for me. I don't work out on, on the, the road. road. Yeah. But I did. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Cool. And then I don't think I did anything Friday. We were traveling. Yeah, I don't think I did. But Saturday, Sunday, blazing heat yesterday, mid-afternoon out in that hot summer sun. Sure. Getting a workout in. Take a lot out of you. Might even take my shirt off on the back. Okay. Yeah. Look okay. Uh, and then a little Training for Warriors workout this morning. Okay. So that's like three days in a row. Yep. So this is a bad part about me, though, is I feel good. So then I'm like, ah, what the hell? Let's go ahead and go. Let's you have know, a diet you know, Yeah, because you earned it, man. <laughs> yeah, treat yourself, right? So Treat why, yourself. Why not? You just put the work in. Don't go yeah. waste it with a Diet Coke, you moron. Well, I mean, yeah, one would say, let's, you know, go ahead and nourish that body now that you've worked it so hard. Yeah. That's how let's, I mean, let's, I'm let's trying to too. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good start. But, yeah, the Diet Coke. It is what it is, though, Brennan. I'm, I'm proud of you that you're working out and everything. But the Diet Coke, yeah. Well, it is what it is. I've got water. I've got Diet Coke. Next thing I'm going to have is a little Vita de Louie. It's happy hour horn time on a Monday to kick us off at 5 o'clock. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders, and grab a new producer. Because if I have to hear in my headphones during the NBA offseason that TJ McConnell is coming back in November, I may walk away Schedule from the show. Schedule just came out. So there you go. All, all you TJ McConnell fanatics, get ready. Maybe uh, TJ McConnell has 94 career points. Vita DeLuria recently got a 94 rating. A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita DeLuria tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuria.com. Drink responsibly. 2010, thank you. <laughs> 2010 what? Points. Oh. In his career? Yeah. Thanks for looking that up. He didn't look it up. He already knew that. Like, yeah, he probably he, he had it. that in the back of his head the whole time. Schedule. Couldn't what wait for that schedule to come out. Who, who's he playing He's for? He's on the Pacers. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. One of the best teams in the Midwest. Really bringing in the ratings for him. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Avery Jones is the most tenured Jacksonville Jaguar on this football team. Yep. Still owes you 50 bucks. Only, yeah, only guy on the team that owes me money. And it's hard to say he'll have an increased role this year. But he could have a starting role this year. Yeah. So does that feel increased? I think he'll still have the same impact, um, but maybe there is more on Avery Jones. If they run out there with Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius in the three technique, Avery Jones mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in the middle, and then uh, Yannick Ngakwe at the other end spot. Sure. Well, that seems like an increased role. Yeah. They count on rotation. But Avery Jones has been getting it done. He's been quietly put together a very nice career. Yeah. Little expectation from him. I think he's out-delivered anything anybody ever thought. Earned himself a couple of contracts because of it. And one of the great personalities on this team. I caught up with Avery after a hot practice in the Florida Sun just a short time ago. Have things ramped up uh, around here gradually? 
uh, or is it the heat that's ramping things up getting you guys in uh, mid-camp form? Uh, truthfully, I say both. I mean, the heat was definitely getting up there today, but I think the team's doing a great job where we're really still attacking. I mean, you don't hear too many coaches telling us to pick up the speed, pick up the pace, try to focus in. There's no Emmys. You know, no one's messing up plays. We're going through practice fast and sharp. Do you like the ownership uh, that Doug has kind of given you guys this camp of that type of stuff, and do you guys think you're doing a good job of handling that? Oh, most definitely. I mean, this is our team. I mean, coaches don't go out there and play. You know, they make the sacrifices and stay in late, make the game plan, but it's on, it's on our shoulders to go out there and execute. And, I mean, no one should leave but us players. The versatility on that front that you guys have, uh, whether it's rotation or just the guys you run out there, uh, could allow you guys to do some really fun things. How, how fun is it in meeting rooms uh, when you're talking schemes and when you're out here on the practice field to be able to, to showcase all that talent? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, I feel like we got a tremendous group of athletes in our room. We got people with the body types to play across the whole line. I mean, there's no one person that's set in one position. And, you know, we can really miss uh, miss and match uh, for the scheme that we need for that week uh, weekend and week out. Do you you could see a scenario looks like we could run, you could run out with Calais and, and Marcel and, and you and Yannick right across that uh, is that an increased role for you um, or just normal what you've been doing now for heck you're the longest tenure jag around here. Uh, I mean it's always normal. I mean, ever since I got here, you know, uh, Coach Wash and every, you know, the coaches have been here always says the more you can do, the better. So, I mean, I try to, you know, teach that to the young guys and teach that to the new guys that come in is that if you're coming in just looking to play one position, you're selling yourself short. So, I mean, we know how, you know, big we can be if we be able to put people in definite schemes, you know, try to get Josh and uh, Jan out there on first and second down to help with some stuff like and things like that. So we're just trying to do it all. How is the young guy coming along, I mean, as part of that rotation? No, I mean, he's coming along good, but, you know, till a year and a couple of games, he's always going to be a rookie to me. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like being the longest tenure, Jack? I mean, you've seen it a, a lot. Uh, do, you, do you share stories with these guys? I mean, are, are you a grizzled vet? You know, no uh, bray in the beard yet. No, no, no. I haven't hit 30 yet, so thank God for that. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I don't share too many stories. I mean, you know, young guys ask questions. I always try to be there, give a helping hand. You know, I see some struggling. I try to, you know, give them a little upside thing like that. I don't do too much preaching. I'll leave that to Calais. Uh, you know, I really just do simple stuff like, hey, there's a bathroom over there. <laughs> you know, things like that. So, you know, I just try to continue to be i don't probably put myself out there too much i'm really in a as needed basis really you know and you can be kind of that um i, I guess the voice of reason coming off the first preseason game you know how fans react you yeah. know how everybody's react everybody puts so much into one performance on a field but at the same time can you kind of sense from camp to camp how things might go during the course of the year i mean do you have enough evidence of that over the years um i mean season's always unpredictable I mean, the only thing I really see year in and year out is just guys coming out and trying their best. Um, I think one thing that's a little bit different uh, that I feel like in practice, you know, we're trying to cut down on the penalties. I know we had a lot last game, but, I mean, that's still a thing we're trying to harp on and we're being, you know, a little bit more uh, disciplined at practice. So we just got to make sure that transitions over to the game. All right, two more. Uh, Calais still got it. He's getting older, man. Talk about gray in the beard. He's getting oh, older. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still- I mean, well, I mean, best thing about Calais is his body doesn't move as old as his voice sounds. So... I think as long as he stays on that path, he's going to be good to go. Uh, and lastly, you've hung around long enough for, for them to put enough Georgia Bulldogs around you. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. now with Conley, I mean, you got Ramik Wilson as well. Yeah. I mean, you get, you're, now you outweigh. 
any uh, gator, yeah, gator I mean, around here. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of gators here, and I really didn't understand that because the game is played here every year, and clearly you see who wins the game, so you clearly know who has the better team. But, I mean, I don't work in the front office. You know, if I did, it would be a lot more red and black, and we'll get all, more off days in Georgia Florida week. Very good. Uh, Thanks, man. Go, in, go into the cool. You going to the cold tub? Ice no, bath? No, I'm going to the AC. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> Doesn't do the cold tubs. I'll tell you what, we're just talking about him, man. For a guy who is pretty quiet. Yeah. You know, kind of unassuming. Yeah. Super personnel. We have him on the TV show last year and previous years. He's fun. Yeah. He's fun in that interview setting. He busts chops with all the guys um, and not afraid to in front of a microphone. He, yeah. He's really a good go-to guy. Yeah. And again, man, he's been underrated. I don't know if we've talked about him enough. I think uh, he he is having a pretty nice career here in Jacksonville. Number one, yeah, very talkative guy until it comes time to pay me my money because it's been like four years and it's funny. I saw him after the practice. He came up to me because every time I see him, I'm like, hey, oh, yeah. you, you remind me some money. Yeah. He's like, hey, Austin, what's your PayPal again? I, I tell him my PayPal. I was like, all right, I'll give that to you tomorrow. And I know it's not coming. It's all good. Uh, Avery, I'm going to see you every single day. So not a big deal. But getting back to the point of him being a really underrated, I think, Jacksonville Jaguar on that defensive line because – He's almost like an ACDC where he does the dirty deeds and they're done dirt cheap, right? Like he does the, the things that people don't really see in the box score. But if you watch film, if you know what you're looking for, you'll see he does a great job. I mean, taking on double teams, you know, playing that center, playing over the center and uh, blocking the, like, you know, taking the center away. Um, he does a fantastic job of that. He does a fantastic job of keeping the blockers off the linebackers. I mean, there's a reason why he's the longest tenured Jaguar here, Brent. I mean, he's very appreciated at what he does. And I think you have a guy now, too, we talked about Marcel Darius, who has played Avery's position a little bit. But now you have Marcel looking to play maybe more of the three-technique spot. We'll have those guys next to each other. You have the nose technique and Avery Jones, the guy that's just going to kind of take up space, um, you know, take on those double teams. And then you have the fast footwork, fast footwork of a Marcel Darius. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster in that backfield for sure. Marcel Darius had 10 career sacks in Buffalo. I'm sorry, 10 sacks in a season in Buffalo. I think it was back in 2014. As he goes over to this three technique mm-hmm. and how they use a, even Avery Jones. Said he's like, wow, first and second down again, mm-hmm. right? Slide Josh Allen. You know, they're yeah. they're going to have different looks. It makes it difficult to say this is exactly what they're going to do, which I think is fun. That's part of the disguise. I think they're well, looking at. It's gonna be hard to game plan for too. Yes. yes. And who is because they have the rotation, how they mix those bodies. When especially a guy like Marcel can slide over to that three technique and probably be pretty effective. Yes. Should we start thinking about ten sacks, which is career high? that he could maybe get to out of that three-technique position in 2019? I mean, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, I feel like, because, you know, I, I preach this many times on the show. I think Marcel Darius has probably the fastest first step of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All due respect to Yannick Ngakwe, all due respect uh, to Josh Allen, and, and he's, he's going to love playing that three-technique, because as opposed to, you know, Brent, when, when you're playing that nose tackle like Avery's playing now, um, everything happens like in a, in a blink of a hat, and... Well, your pass rushing moves are kind of limited because usually you're taking on the double team, right? Well, when you start you using the three technique, what he's going to be doing now with Marcel Darius, uh, maybe Josh Allen coming down. I mean, you have so many weapons at your disposal where the team can't focus on just one guy. Yeah, I would be surprised if Darius has a, you know, maybe, I don't want to say a 10, because a 10 sack season is fantastic. And I think That's a lot. I think that whole defensive line is going to feast. So there's going to be sacks to be had by everybody. Whether he gets 10 or not, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I think he's going to feast nonetheless. That's a talented defensive line, man. Yeah. Talent, talent, talent. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Well, it's, it's like I said, when you got week one against Kansas City, 
Patrick Mahomes has been vulnerable when you rush him up the middle. Yeah. Well, Russell Darius, there you go. <laughs> Fight yeah. a vulnerability. Yeah. Not many yeah. in Patrick Mahomes games. What about Nick Foles? How big is this to have him here in Jacksonville? How much does Philly miss him? That conversation with a gentleman that covered the Foles Super Bowl and covers the Eagles next on ESPN 690. It's Foles Week in Philly, or Foles Philly Week in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get it right. You got it. Brett Martin, former Jags player Austin Lane, here on a Monday on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And, you know, I just put out there a conversation we had on Friday for a brief, brief time. And I thought more about it on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Who's more comfortable with their starting quarterback making it through the season? Jacksonville and Nick Foles. Or the Eagles and Carson Wentz. And I'll be interested to see how social media reacts to it. Uh, just threw that out there uh, a short time ago. And uh, we'll get some reaction to that right now with our next guest. Because I'm looking forward to getting the Philly angle on Foles. As this week is really all about that theme here in Jacksonville. Even if it's just preseason game number two. Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us right now at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's in town today. Covering falls leading up to the Eagles and Jags preseason game on Thursday. Hey, Marcus, thanks for taking some time, man. No, it's my pleasure, fellas. That's a that's a fascinating question. I mean, I don't know if I had to bet. I don't know which way I would bet myself, uh, Foles or Carson Wentz, considering you know Carson Wentz is coming off knee injury and a what will probably be a chronic back issue for the rest of his life. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting. And but you know, Jacksonville's got offensive line issues and Nick, and Nick Foles isn't the most mobile guy. So, you know, uh, I guess, I guess you could do a, a like a prop bet and just pick a number, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really good call. Uh, I think we could. And I, I think it's very debatable and, and a little bit to flyer on both of them since Foles hasn't made it through an entire season. You just referenced, uh, Wentz's injuries. That being said, this was a no-brainer for Philadelphia to make this call and say, hey, we're going with Wentz, our young guy that we invested in franchise quarterback. I think it was at least, right? Even given the injury history, this was a no-brainer for the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Well, the only way it's not a no-brainer is if Wentz had shown some sort of uh, deficiency when he was healthy. But he's played pretty well for three seasons. He was a Rookie of the Year candidate. He was a uh, MVP candidate. And he, he had a higher passer rating when he was hurt last year than he did when he was the MVP. So he's a really, really talented quarterback who needs to stay healthy, needs to get healthy and stay healthy. I, I don't think you can give up on him for Nick Foles, who, you know, Nick Foles, I think, is a starting quarterback in the NFL who can get hot and carry you. But he's not the kind of franchise-altering quarterback that Carson Wentz has the capacity to be. I don't have them – I don't have a problem with them making the decision that they made. Um, but, yeah, it is a risk. There, you know, But everything's a risk. You know, I mean, there, there's also the conversation, besides Patrick Mahomes, what other quarterback would you rather have than Carson Wentz? Would you rather have Jared Goff, who probably doesn't have the physical talent? Would you rather have Russell Wilson in the prime of his career, or is he? You know, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers for, for one year? You know, would you rather have Tom Brady, because he's got a – Disintegrate at some point, right? You can so. only uh, <laughs> you can only do, you can only drink unicorn blood and, and stretch for so, for so long before it all gets wet. <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't know what it is, but it's working, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we should all take it. Uh, Marcus Hayes with us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, I it was an 
good conversation we were able to have after practice today and appreciate taking the time then and now to talk about Nick Foles. And part of the reason I want to get you on is because I don't know, maybe we haven't done enough of a good job in Jacksonville relaying this, or maybe we just don't have an appropriate feel, and you certainly do. It's just how beloved Nick Foles is and was in Philadelphia and with Eagles fans. We've seen it in Jacksonville. The Eagles fans have come out with their jerseys on and they want to meet Foles and get autographs. We we saw it in Baltimore last week when we were up with the Ravens and Jags games. And I think we're going to see it all around this year. Just how important Nick Foles is now to the history of that city and in sports lore in Philadelphia. But you can do a lot better job describing uh, just how, how big he is up there in Philly. Well, I'm a transplant. I came from New York State. Where I lived, football wasn't very big. The NFL certainly wasn't very big. So when I came to Philadelphia, I was taken aback at how much football meant to everyone in 1995, much less 2005 or 2015 as the Eagles' Super Bowl drought went on and on and on. I mean, we're talking about you know guys who would, who, who would talk about going with their fathers and grandfathers year after year to see just abysmal jokes of, of Eagles teams. And then when Carson Wentz was hurt late in the 2017 season, how guys were calling up radio shows and, and weeping openly, thinking that they would never see in their lifetime, would never see a Super Bowl won by Philadelphia because they thought that Carson Wentz was the Messiah, that he was the only the only person who could bring that title, that Lombardi trophy to Philadelphia, and then, you know, to have their dreams, their hopes resurrected by Nick Foles, of all people, Nick Foles, who'd been in Philadelphia and played well and then played okay and then been traded and then, you know, was Andy Reid's backup quarterback and then was an afterthought on that 2017 team as a backup, to have him, of all people, deliver their dream, it's just, you know, it's something that it's, it's bigger it's bigger than words. It's bigger than emotion. It's something that validated an entire region. It has validated their five decades of fandom in the Super Bowl era and maybe their, what, their 75 years of fandom, 80 years of fandom in Philadelphia history. It's, uh, I don't get it still, but I recognize it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's fascinating, and, and it's cool. I mean, that's what sports uh, can be all about, and, and it's pretty awesome. And now translate that to what you see down here. And I know you've just been down here for a day. But in talking to Nick Foles today and in, in watching Nick Foles, you know, this was a guy who, you know, for his career, he went, he had the 27-2 and two season. But obviously two years ago was his moment. But now it feels to me, and I think to you without putting words in your mouth, that this is more than a guy with just a moment in the NFL. He seems comfortable in his own skin, comfortable as a franchise quarterback, even though that can be an uncomfortable situation sometimes. Well, you know, we all grow and we learn. You know, he's married. He's got a kid. He went through a miscarriage with his wife just a few months ago. You know, he's signed for $50 million. He's, you know, he and his, his uh, you know, antecedents will be taken care of for, for generations. So, it's a different it's a different vibe. There's no desperation. He doesn't have to prove himself anymore. And as a third round pick in two thousand twelve, you know, coming into a situation where, you know, the quarterback had been Donovan McNabb and was gonna be Michael Vick or, or whatever, he he was really kind of nobody. And then you know, he got his chance and then he got hurt the year after he got his chance and made good in two thousand thirteen to twenty seven and two twenty seven touchdowns, two interceptions year. 
and a Pro Bowl start and a Pro Bowl MVP. <laughs> and, you know, the next year playing for Chip Kelly and the Eagles, he, he got hurt halfway through, and they traded him for Sam Bradford after that season. So, you know, he thought about quitting football after, you know, playing for, you know, Jeff Fisher in St. Louis, which is not unusual. It's not uncommon, not on. Not unprecedented. Jeff Fisher could run many many people out of football, <laughs> but Andy Reid convinced him to to come back to Kansas City, come to Kansas City, and come back to football and be his his uh, backup and be his backup quarterback. And that's what you know. That was what brought Nick Foles to Jacksonville through Philadelphia. He was going to quit. He was going to become a preacher, and that was it. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. And what you get with Nick Foles now is a very complete, comfortable, grown man who's at peace with who he is and what he's done and what he can do. And you're not, you don't have this gunslinger who wants to prove himself and do things he can't really do anymore. That's, that's always been Nick's failing, trying to do things Nick can't do. Now he does things Nick can do, and he understands. Like the, the last play at practice today was interesting. He threw to a receiver who wasn't open, but that was the only throw he had. The receiver's on the sideline. And he threw it high enough, so high enough and short enough that if the receiver made a great athletic play, he had a chance of catching it and coming it coming down in bounds. But if the receiver didn't make a great athletic play, the defensive back had no chance of intercepting it. That's Nick Foles' maturation in a nutshell right there. He wouldn't have made that throw two years ago. He makes that throw today. Marcus Hayes with us uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, obviously covered uh, Nick Foles up uh, with the Eagles and is down in Jacksonville doing a story leading into the second preseason game. Uh, Eagles and Jaguars on Fox 30 Thursday night here at TIAA Bank uh, in Jacksonville. We'll see if Nick Foles even plays on Thursday as the Jaguars try to stay healthy, but no doubt Foles is the storyline. You know, something that I think Jags fans don't want to even think about because of the history of the last, say, dozen years, especially with the exception of 2017, is what if this guy is about to be really good in the NFL? He's 30 years old. <laughs> 30 years old as a quarterback is young, but coming right into the wheelhouse of when you really start to figure things out. What do you think? Do you think we're looking at a four-year run, uh, maybe even longer, but he's got a four-year contract of maybe the best football or some of the best football Nick Foles has ever played? Do you think that's in him? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I saw him make throws today that I've seen him develop into being able to, to make over the last six or seven years. He's a better quarterback today than he was six months ago. He's a better quarterback six months ago than he was six years ago. So you're getting the best version of Nick Bowles for your $88 million. So I don't know what that version is. You're going to have to protect him and supply him with at least one or two more weapons on the outside. But you have somebody who can make plays and win games for you now. So, yes, to answer your question, you're getting the best version of Nick Foles. You know, and, and think about it. He's been throwing the ball a lot. He's in the, the, the sort of the dead-arm phase of training camp, and he, he looks great. You know, he threw two or three passes today, and I'm talking about crossing routes, and there was a deep out that he threw. But, I mean, he's, he's throwing passes right now. That It looks like it's the first day of OTAs. He looks fresh. He looks strong. His feet are good. You know, he's relaxed. He's, you know, able to go through his reads. I don't know how much uh, attention y'all paid to at practice today, but the defense won, which means that there weren't many passes thrown. But he he didn't throw a bad one, you know.
Yeah, and, and he's really been connected. I've been trying to tell folks with Chris Conley, his buddy uh, from the Chiefs days, and, and that deep ball to mm-hmm. Chris Conley has been something not that you just saw today, but it's really become a theme over these first uh, couple of weeks of the training camp. Uh, good stuff. Marcus Hayes, look forward to your story, man. When's uh, when's that coming out? It'll be online at inquire.com tomorrow around 5 a.m. All right. Uh, you got some work to do, unless you already <laughs> did it, but you got some work to do. Safe travels. Uh, good to meet you today, and thanks for taking a couple minutes. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. All right. Marcus Hayes from uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer. I just, I, I like that perspective. Again, Sal yeah. Palantonio, when we had him on, he's a big fan. Mm-hmm. Marcus is a columnist, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't mean Sal Palantonio is a big fan in general. I'm just saying he's a huge fan of Foles. Mm-hmm. Wrote a book, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, when I was talking to Marcus today, I just think he continues to bring up some of that stuff, that folklore about Foles, and I don't know if we can pound that home enough, that Philadelphia perspective and what the Jags brought here. Again, it's not necessarily, oh my gosh, the Jags just got uh, Tom Brady. It's mm-hmm. more, the Jags just got something here that I think you can argue hasn't been here in 20 years. Yeah, true. I mean, you got to go back to the Brunel days to feel a, a, a huge level of confidence. There were times that you felt good about Garrard. Yeah. But even that might be a reach mm-hmm. to the fan base. Yep. If this guy can come out and and really get off to a good start, I think it's going to be like the Jags fans will wrap their arms around him too. And, and I don't want to go as crazy as say, here's the savior. I just think it's a different kind of guy at that position, the most important position in sports that we've seen around here, again, since the early years of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a long time. The biggest thing, though, is you're going to call him the savior, but does he have the disciples that can follow him, that can make the plays for him? Because that's the biggest thing going forward here. Does he have those Darren Sproles types? Does he have those Alshon Jeffrey types? Does he have those Nelson Aguilar types? We'll see. Ring the bell for Dak Prescott. Because he's turning down $40 million. Are you kidding? Better pay that man his money. And Antonio Brown's going to play. We think. Shock. Well, yeah, we don't know. Next on ESPN <laughs> 690. By the way. What do you got? Before the Foles segment. Yep. Kuz was supposed to come in with Foles on the Eagles. Didn't do it, did he? I didn't communicate well. But did you tell him to do it before, though? Well, like 45 minutes earlier. That's a lot. Yeah, that's asking a lot of them, Brent. Come on, the ske- the NBA schedule just came yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I you was TJ McConnell underwear on and everything. Yep. Getting in arguments about how many nationally televised games the Sixers have this year. How many do they have? 24. Some claim it's is 20 that above at 36. Average or is that below average. In 2015, they had zero. They, yeah, so then you're welcome. They have yeah. like a NBA TV package, right? Can you just watch all of them? Don't uh, they have that for like every sport now? Well, that's Sounds what's like causing that's what's causing the confusion because they have twelve games on NBA TV, which don't count as nationally televised. So that's where people are getting confused. But they have like the Sunday ticket, but for yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so every single team NBA during football season. Yeah, though. every single team <laughs> has cute. every single game nationally televised. You just pay for it if you want it. Right. It's so cute that you're talking. I mean, Justin Coos driving dish podcast. It's so cute that you're talking NBA when football is the biggest sport in the world, and we're in football season right now. But you're all good though. Keep going. Dude, no, you talked wrestling going. for three minutes today. I don't know, Brent. Why don't you go ahead and look at the numbers last night from the world's largest uh, party this summer? We heard it uh, earlier today, by the way. What Jacksonville was all about? We did wrestling. 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 Was one of them. Really? Oh, you know what? I was surprised. Uh, I was saying, Mayor, former Mayor Jake Godbold. We went to this uh, event. Uh, about the Colt fever 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and he said 
football, wrestling, and what's the third one? Guy knows Air the stuff. shows. Air shows. Ooh. What I thought he was going to say is NASCAR. Yeah. How do you think NASCAR? He said air shows and then car shows kind of together. So I get it. Things with engines. Yeah. We'll and if put he NASCAR, strictly, we'll NASCAR into that. I was going to say, if he strictly went to sports, I think NASCAR would have been yes. right there. Sure. Uh, Brett Martin of Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber has checked in. Who's has been here all day, at least um, literally. Physically. Yeah. Physically. Yes. This hasn't done anything. Because I'm just kidding. I'm not. You already know how I feel about you, dude. Same, hey, I ain't got to change for you. It's all good. Antonio Brown says he'll play now that he lost the hmm. petition to wear the old helmet. What, what would happen to him threatening to set out the entire season if he lost out? By the way, that's a little boring because that only lasts, that's only one Hard Knocks episode tomorrow. His absence. Yeah. So well, he, still, he still has the foot absence. Maybe they'll. And by the way, send a camera to that. So this whole foot thing, is anybody else trying to raise a red flag to this thing that doesn't believe that he actually did that in a cryotherapy thing? You think there's more to the story? Because I tried to do that. You said, what do you mean? I thought last week when we tried to do that, you said, ah, come on. Of course you can do that. It's easy if you don't put the socks on. No, hey, you asked me, how does that happen? I said, if you don't put the socks on, but I didn't say it wasn't a, a red flag because why wouldn't you try to sue the company then or the place that was, you know, like if you're a football player. And you wreck your feet because you don't wear the proper socks. I mean, one would assume there'd be a lady or, or, or a gentleman there handing out socks saying, all right, put these socks on. So if nobody's there handing out the socks, why don't you sue somebody? I think there's Maybe more to the story. Because you said, I don't want to put those socks on. I bet that's what it was. I bet he he, would, he was being a diva. They didn't have the right model. The only socks I wanted are the socks I wore for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't have the right model me. of socks. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Socks I wore for the Steelers. I want the socks I wore for the Steelers. I'm not going to want putting socks on. <laughs> Crowd therapy me up. Let's go. Uh, very good. Dak Prescott, is he really turning down $40 million a year? Well, $30 million, 30, right? $30 million, he 40. He's asking for 40 Oh, I, I think I said that wrong on social media. You're right. Uh, 30 but Anything over a million, I mean, what's, you know. Uh, yeah, he's he wants $40 million. Uh, Dak. Yeah. Let's not go crazy. That would make him top five highest paid NFL quarterbacks, correct? I think it'd be the, the highest paid quarterback. He'd be the by highest far, paid quarterback by far. Right now, well, it's like thirty-five million, I think. So, do you think he? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, let's be serious. It's a dumb question to ask, but you have to ask the question. Do you think he is the top-rated quarterback in the NFL right now? Everybody would say no, correct? No. So then, where are his, where is he getting? Like, where are these grounds coming from then? Like, how do you have the audacity to say, I want to be paid like the top quarterback in the NFL, even though everybody knows and probably even my teammates know that I'm not the top quarterback in the NFL? I think the phrase setting the market comes into play. Well, here's the deal, too, and this goes back and forth, and this is just happening within the last hour. But Jane Slater, who covers uh, the Cowboys for, is she NFL Network? Yes, NFL Network. I can confirm reports that QB Dak Prescott has, in fact, turned down $30 million a year offer and is instead seeking $40 million a year per source informed. And then Pro Football Talk just said, hang on, a source tells Pro Football Talk that Dak Prescott has not asked for $40 million a year. Well, which is it, people? It's whatever you want to come up with and put on Twitter first. He can't get forty million dollars a year. Yeah, that's no. Big. He's not going to get forty million dollars a year, especially when you have to pay Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. 
I mean, like, try to do those numbers. Try to crunch those numbers and make that work. <laughs> I understand the salary cap's not a real thing, but it, it might be real there. Here's this funny, too. Uh, Darren Ravel tweets, Dak Prescott seeking $40 million a year. The most Troy Aikman ever made was $16 million in 1999, which adjusted for inflation is $24.6 million in today's dollars. Aikman just retweeted, as the great Bob Dylan once wrote, quote, the times, they are a-changing. <laughs> I mean, it's to the point, like, what happens when Patrick Mahomes comes around? Like, are, are, are we talking full-fledged stock options here for the, like, the, like owners ownership of the, of the of team? A, yeah. yeah, ownership of the team. Well, yeah, they've got to figure that out, and that's why they've got to change. If they're going to give quarterbacks this kind of money, and and it's the most important position in sports, but if they're going to do that, then they have to adjust because you've got to be able to fill a team, I think. I think it really handicaps an organization if you're picking a Mahomes, say, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, Prescott is like – Prescott's fine, and he's done better than I thought he was going to do in the NFL. But I think everybody pretty much agrees he needs the stuff around him to do well, and he's been pretty good around him. He's seen Amari Cooper offensive line. He did yeah. a lot better once Amari Cooper came. Mahomes, I think, is a special talent. So let's not put the two in the same conversation. I think he's a unique talent where can make a lot more things happen. But if you draft a guy like that, you almost pay the price now from a quarterback standpoint. We've talked about this a lot. This is what the great Tom Brady does. Yeah. Tom Brady making $23 million allows you to do other things and put a championship team around. If you're making $35 million, $40 million, it's hard to put a championship team around. I'm not saying yeah. it's impossible, mm-hmm. but I'm saying all the things have to line up. Like you have to have young players at the defensive end spots or the corner spots, the other high-paid positions. You can't sit here and pay dollar after dollar. To just like three guys and then hope the rest of your team is good. Look at Aaron Rodgers' situation. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now is upset because the Packers haven't given him the pieces around him, but is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, you can't get mad if you, if you go to the beach and get sand on yourself. You can't be mad if I you're do the that highest paid. I all the time, by the way. <laughs> you can't be Especially mad if, if you get in the your highest, shorts. You oh. can't be mad if you're the highest paid quarterback and then can't get guys around you. It's fascinating. Uh, we'll see which one is right here on the Dak Prescott front. Uh, do you think uh, there's been it's been the topic of the offseason? Who should they take care of first? Prescott, Cooper, Zeke. Always take care of the quarterback first. Yeah, you kind of have to. Yep. But not at no, forty not million. Not asking for forty million. <laughs> well, don't take care of him that much. Take care of the guy, but don't you know? Don't go above and beyond to take care of. Him. Hey, some big college stories out today as well. Plus, stay in your lane. We'll put a bow on the show on a Monday that flew by. Next on ESPN six ninety. Hey, Weber. Yes. Yes. Are you concerned you have no idea about the Miami quarterback? That he is an unknown? Yeah, that you really don't have tape. You don't have a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Jaron Williams named the uh, starter, not Tate Martell, who everybody kind of thought it would shake out that way from a name recognition standpoint. Um but now you go in, you got a guy that's, he can be a dual threat guy. They say he's decent in the pocket. Everybody that I've read up on talks about his maturity level. I mean, who knows what you're going to get? But the bottom line is, who knows what you're going to get? That's sometimes tough to prepare for. He's not ready. He hasn't seen the flying bullets, so to speak. He hasn't been out there in an actual game. Yeah. You can say he's been in the spring scrimmages or what have you, but uh, I will take the guy who's never played a college football game over the other two. As far as uh, being less, you'd worried. rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It that's does, fair enough. Yeah, the the unknown there doesn't doesn't bother me because you're still going to have all that video from the scrimmage, from the what do they call their orange and green game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know what they call I don't those. Know the callers. Yeah, well, that you know, that's what they do. They guard and gold game, orange and blue game, orange and green game. I get it. Are you getting jacked up for that game? You know, Florida, I think it's only I'm excited. Credential request requests yes, were approved today. Approved. So, uh, I mean, it's not like it's it's not like there was a a possibility of it not, but. At the same time, you see it say that, and you're like, oh, cool. So it, is my, do, you get go, do you get to go on the sidelines and everything? Does that mean? or Weber does. That He'll means be I'll be on the, the sidelines shooting the game. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. So a good seat. Yeah. I mean, I mean you say it's like it's cool like he's never done it before. Well, I don't I mean, know, man. I know we, like, don't he's, we he's, take he's this job Gators, for granted. Yeah. But, I don't know. He's a Florida Gators fan. Yeah, it's a but big you don't, game. You get to stay on the sidelines. Yeah, it's you're not cool. there cheering, though. You, it's, a, well, I, it, it's a very different perspective. I'm just saying you get to stand on the sidelines and watch your alma mater play against the Miami Hurricanes in Orlando to open up college football. That's pretty cool. All I'm saying. There are some cool. Nice. There are some cool elements to nice it. Nice little soft spot in your heart for that. In there, try yeah. to get those Murray State Georgia credentials now. <laughs> That's right. Like I said, I don't even think you need a credential. As a famous <laughs> Murray State alum, they should just be like, "Come just on, show you up. might do the pregame talk." That's nah, a little aggressive now. Quincy's got a game the next day. That's a little aggressive. You don't need a pregame talk for me, but I'll What's come his say name's it. on the NBA schedule somewhere, probably. <laughs> yeah. T.J. McConnell. That's all that's oh, left. Oh. Who else? T.J. McConnell. That's a good I mean, point. so what if you're third on the list? I'll take that as a knock. It's well, okay. Don't forget the, yeah, I guess, I mean, if if it came down, Brent, I don't know, though. I have my Hall of Fame speech coming up. I have a lot of speeches i got to give, all right? You do. So, That's true. The last thing I need is more on my plate when it comes to giving speeches. When is the Hall of Fame again? November. November. Yes. Yeah, circle that date. March so, your calendars. Are we so doing the show uh, live from there? If you Brent, want to. Brent can tape Steph's speech, and you can just take the best parts from That's right. I like that. I got a Hall of Fame speech coming in a couple of weeks. I got to write. How how long was, uh? well, so you're going to give your wife? I'm sure I'm you? writing it for her. For real? Probably. Dang, we discussed it a little bit on the road trip here Yeah. Uh, over one of the dinners, just coming up with some bullet points. Over, under on Brent mentions. <laughs> But behind every strong woman is a strong man. <laughs> Tail is all this time. I think we should write Two it. Two and a half. Tail is all this time. We should just. We should just. Let's do it. Yeah, I should write the speech. Yeah. Can I get some input in it too? Let's do it. Yeah. Me and you will tag team it. We'll get the speech we'll going. We'll spend a segment on We'll get caller. Yeah. To help out yeah. and everything. I like this. This would be great. And we're shoot we to Ashlyn too. Exactly right. She did. Yeah. So it's gonna be the biggest speech that Ashlyn since I don't know. Okay, but she's going to high school that's, hall of fame. Yeah. That's oh, Gahanna. this is the high school. Hello, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Well, even better. Settle then. down on the college well, stuff. Well, all right. Even better then, because like the, the expectations are gonna be set a little lower. I feel like if it's in high school, so even better. Um, I do. You know what I think? Uh, going into the high school football or something, you, you sure. have to deliver. A uh, like a motivational speech for the high schoolers. Of course. Next week when we kick off our game. Oh, of the I, week. Have to, I have to do that. Yeah, I'd like you to do that. So who, what? What high school? I don't know. We'll we'll make one up. Oh, we'll, it's gonna go great, man. To all the kids. What's up, guys? I don't know anything about your high school, but I'm really excited for you. I'm not really you sure little, about your history, but I'll give you a little luck. heads up. Okay. What would you like to talk about? It'd be like your theme for high schoolers. You know, run what? through that wall. Do, do, do you want to give them a quick speech? The Bronco tonight. <laughs> all right. So who? who, who, who like, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. It'll, it'll, it'll be real talk, Brent. It'll come from the heart. Not going to be that crap you guys just went over. Oh, hey. Hey, 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 hey. We're at the Bronco tonight. What does that mean? the best pregame speech of all time. We'll break that off. We'll, sh- we'll show you it. Uh, yeah. It's the best. Oh, that's actually real. It's real. That's why you just one. made up something. That's the no, absolute no. best pregame oh. ever. Okay. It's so no. My pregame speech would come from the heart. Look every one of those players in the eye and just be like, this is your time. This is and, your time. And, and I'll tell them the truth. I, I'm going to tell them that the best days of your life playing football, and I don't mean to make you guys nervous if you go to college or if you have pro, like aspirations to go to the pros, 
but your best moments will come from the kids that you grew up with. It's the kids that you go to class with. It's the kids that you go to battle with in high school. I and like those it. Me- and those moments will be the best you. This is yeah. off to a fantastic Great. start. I mean, you're halfway home. That? You're halfway home next week. Two minutes in the clock. How about right. a little stay on your la- stay on your lane before the show ends yep. in four minutes? Uh, so S- Brent Simone Biles, a little gymnastics talk. Yeah. She's arguably one She's of the best gymnasts of all time in this past week, and she proved it by doing two firsts in the world of gymnastics. She is the first one to land a triple-double in her floor routine. If you're not familiar with what a triple-double is in the floor routine, spoiler alert. T.J. McConnell isn't either. It's a lot of twists and it's a lot of turns. <laughs> Never is T.J. McConnell going to be honored with the world triple-double. <laughs> I can't do this now. He actually has a triple-double. Thank when? <laughs> when? Where? For a middle school team. What he probably team? had one in high school. Don't you want me to find it? It's, yeah, please do. In high school. He does not have an wow. NBA triple-double. I had five dunks in one game in high school. Not a big deal. Uh, on the beam, Brent, she was, sorry, we're still with Simone Biles. Sorry, Simone. And, and on, the, on the beam, she was the first to do a double-double dismount on her beam, on her, uh, beam routine. Uh, spoiler alert, once again, it's a lot of twists and a lot of spins. Um, not really sure what those terms really mean, but... She has a lot of swag, Brent. She's a beast, and I mean that in the most positive way possible. Props to Simone Biles, representing the USA, and probably being the most badass gymnast of all time. Yeah. December 2018, he had a triple-double. Oh, For my who? goodness. For the Sixers. Is that preseason Summer or what? League? D-League? Uh, no, December would have been regular playing season. He's playing the Jacksonville Giants. Pop Fantastic. your brakes. Oh, so, listen... Brent, I'm a big fighting fan, right? Yeah. Obviously, I love boxing, I love MMA, I love all sports. Muay Thai, you name it, jiu-jitsu. But every once in a while, there's going to be a fight that i got to shake my head at, and i got to just put my head in my hands and just be like, why are we doing this? Lenny Dykstra is reportedly signing like on to Lenny fight. Dykstra? Yeah, he's signing he on. Really? He's signing on to fight the New York bagel guy who went crazy, the short guy. Uh, yes. And they're they're going to have a, a boxing match. Lenny's gone sort. off the rails. Well, they, I think they're both off the rails, but but I think Lenny's gone truly gone no, off the Lenny rails, has, right? Doesn't he have like a lot of financial problems? I and stuff? To, yeah, I think a, a drug problem as well. Yeah. Um, he was on a, a radio show next time about a year ago. I listened to him and, and yeah, wasn't good. He, he tried to fight the host actually. Did he? I swear, let's yeah. bring him on. Not, yeah, let's get him on here. I'm sure the last thing he wants to do is talk to me about fighting because it'd be make me upset. But hey, let's try to get him on. But anyways, yeah. So Lenny Dykstra is fighting the Boss Bagel guy, as they call him, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of this as time comes <laughs> i'm just not, I'm, I'm not excited you're man. downtrodden well, on no, the fight because it sucks you, you sound know, like it's full circle it's you sound like the name. did saturday it's there always the fight game man <laughs> yeah you know? thank you very much to her it's always the fight game it makes everything look bad like i get if you got a couple youtube stars who you know you remember i don't jake paul right mm-hmm. yeah whatever they had a big boxing match and they did record numbers that's fantastic but you have two celebrities who are in the limelights of their careers um their side shows and now They're you're gonna promote it of fame exactly it's a joke. You know what I didn't do I'm today? Upset. But I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to bring up Tebow and his baseball career. Okay. And I had this thought over the weekend. Okay. How you and Tebow's lives have been mirrored. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I played more NFL games than he did, so Shabuya. <laughs> that's what I always tell my friends when they bring up Tim Tebow. Ah, who played more NFL games, me or Tim Tebow? Why do you he have was a first-round pick. Why do you have to oh. get defensive about this statement? Because he was a first-round pick. It's a positive statement. No, don't, I'm, I'm not Tim Tebow-esque, Brent. I respect the guy a lot, but you can't put me in the same category. We're just two different people. I'm going to okay. show you how you're much more alike than you think. And I'm going to show you tomorrow. how I'm not going to show up tomorrow. I can't wait. <laughs> See I'm still going to talk about it. See you Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Uh, for Stuart Weber, Coos, Oscillate, I'm Brent Martineau. 
We'll see you on TV tonight. First and 10 training camp, 1115, CBS 47 and Fox 30. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.